0: To get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. (laughs) I love it though. Now, me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz Buzz on Movies. movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy.
1: And I'm Matt.
0: And we're here this week to talk to you about just a whole mess of horror movies that have come out recently. You know us. It's September, spooky season is starting, and what better way to kick it off than to talk about all the different spooky things that are in theaters right now?
1: Yeah, there's quite a bit. Some of this might not actually be in theaters anymore where you live, but um, I feel like by the time we've released this episode,
0: some of them may not be. I mean, that's just that's how things work sometimes, but I'm
1: not sure one of them is anymore even here, like already. So, Wow. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, we we may not be doing a great service to those of you who are wondering what to, what to watch at theaters right now, but there I, are I at could, least a I few could of be these. wrong.
1: Well, the one that I'm thinking of, I I'm not really gonna go encourage people to go see in the theater <laughs> anyway. So, okay, um. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so, what we're gonna be talking about, um,
0: in very vari- at varying lengths, are um, Don't Breathe Two, Candyman, The Night House, and Malignant. Yes. Yes. I actually
1: think that two of those movies might not be playing where you are. Yeah. Dear
0: listeners. I think, Um, well, I think we still have Candyman around here. Um, Okay.
1: Well, for us, the Night House only has two showings at one theater, and it's like one at 2 p.m. and one at like 10 p.m.
0: You're right. I actually caught the last screening of the Night House. Yeah. I, I
1: got a really late showing on a Friday night, and I'm pretty sure that after this week that we are currently recording in, it will be gone. So. Uh, wow. for, from new york so it, that could be less true other places but um i'm well, also yeah yeah
0: i feel yeah. like if it's not playing in new york it's probably not playing a lot of well, other places we tend, to get, movies, get we tend to get second round theaters yeah you
1: get second round theaters and also we do get like movies kind of early like sometimes we get them before other people so
0: yeah that's you know. true i didn't think about that but yeah they probably leave earlier too
1: Yeah. So um, like, especially like a a sort of like, I don't know if that movie is technically indie. I don't know which studio released it, but you know what I mean? Like a sort of like indie or prestige movie. Like sometimes we get those earlier and then they leave earlier. So it's possible that other places it's actually going to keep going for a bit, but here it's definitely like on its way out. Because we've had it for a while, and I've tried to see it multiple times. Fun fact, I tried to see it multiple times, and I, like, fell asleep once, and then, like, (laughs) I just, like, so many other things kept happening, and so, like, I was like, I have to see it on this fucking random-ass Friday night, and I went and saw it on a Friday night. I actually sat, you know... I sat next to a couple who I was like, you might be the couple from the night house. I'm actually not oh, no. sure. Like they just like acted and looked like it. And they were like drinking like tall boys of Corona extras. And I was like, I do respect that. I respect the choices that we've made. Of course. Like, there's no bar at this, this AMC. So <laughs> you just brought you in brought their those. own. I mean, I brought a flask of whiskey to put into my freestyle Coca-Cola um, so i can't Ooh, judge but yeah, like that's uh, how you
0: do the amc right there Let's well,
1: say you do a friday night like i like i think it's ridiculous to go to a movie on a friday night and be like i can't have a drink um i will say that this amc it's the 34th street amc for all our new york fans i don't know if we have any um they they appear to be opening a bar they have a sign on one of the walls that says mcguffin's bar and i see like Ooh. six beer taps have been installed like six taps i'm like that's crazy because the one that I'm used to here in New York has two taps and it's fucking Blue Moon and Sam Adams. Yep, so yep. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm really ready for a, a bar with six beer taps because trust me, I will start going to that AMC all the time. I well, <laughs> intentionally go to the one with only two beer taps because it's two more than any others have in the city currently. The one I
0: um, used to go to at Tyson's Corner did have six beer taps, but... Of those, Blue Moon and Sam Adams were the best beers available, so...
1: Well, but you that might like,
0: not be looking what, at what a what really classifies great is best
1: for you. Like for me, it's like a Bud Light would be better than both of those. Most oh, okay, like. well, um,
0: yeah, then maybe you'll you'll be because a Bud in luck. Light
1: isn't trying to be anything other than what a Bud Light is. A Sam Adams is often trying, and I'm like, but you don't succeed, and that's just like too bad for you. But Sam.
0: a Sam Adams is stronger than a Bud Light, and that's the that's real... <laughs> a big that
1: is a plus. <laughs> that depends on what kind of movie I'm seeing. Like, is it a movie where I just want to sip a beer and like enjoy the movie, but have a beer, or is it a movie where I like I want to. Feel the beer, like those are two different, <laughs> two different vibes. You got the night. Feel the the night house was definitely a movie where I don't necessarily want to feel it. I just want to have a drink to sip.
0: That's true. Um, I like, do like looking back. I wish I'd been like considerably drunk from malignant.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's <laughs> like I
0: went into a roller coaster, and you're like, you know what? Do You want to feel
1: every inch of this? <laughs> I was go- <laughs> a little bit tipsy. I saw Malignant. I went to like my preferred. Like, happy hour on the Upper West Side. Um, and, like... Ha- it, well, one of my preferred... I have two preferred ha- uh, happy hours on the Upper West Side. One is, like, my sports bar happy hour. And one is my, like, Mexican bar happy hour. So I went to the Mexican bar happy hour. And I had a bunch of margaritas before this. And, like, I oh, gotta ooh. say... The experience was enhanced. Like I was just like, oh hell yeah! I don't know what the fuck is happening at a given moment, but I'm like, I'm here. Like we're doing it, and everything's happening so much, and I was so happy. Um, so yeah, it's, it definitely enhanced the. It's the exactly
0: the right kind of horror movie to be drunk for because yeah. it's not like you you need to like really think a lot during the movie. You don't have to like put a lot together. You just you're along for the
1: ride. No, when the movie's then- ready for put things together it'll put it together for you like it's like it's totally fine um um yeah that was that was definitely a good drinking horror movie i was also pretty drunk for don't breathe too um which was a good movie to be drunk for because it was like the least good of the bunch that we're talking about tonight so it was like if i weren't drunk it would have been like well this is a waste of time like i you know um, right so um I distinctly remember, like that. I went to the one AMC with a bar in it for that one. Um, the one that currently has a functional bar for that one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, And that was when, like, the bartender that I'm used to seeing there was like, it's my last day. And I was like, oh, wow, congratulations, I think. And he's like, no, yeah, I'm glad to be leaving. I was like, okay, congratulations. Um, Of course.
0: (laughs) When you leave working somewhere like like that, you're like, oh, good for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine that people, like, tip well at, like, the AMC bar. You know what I mean? Oh, Um, no. I mean, I at least assume that he doesn't make, like, typical bartender wages. You know, like, if you work there, you don't make, you know, you don't make, like, two or three something an hour. You make the full wages of an amc employee Um, yeah but i still don't think they tip well Um, to be fair i have never other than this guy i have never been to an amc bar and had somebody pour me a beer and not be like oh i have to scrape some of the foam off foam off because i did this and i'm like wow Um, and i still tip them really well but it's always (laughs) like well did they not teach you this like (laughs) i feel like they
0: don't put enough work into their bar program even though i am very glad that amc does have bar, bars period. these days? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I like one time when I went to the the AMC in Tyson's Corner, the guy serving the beer there was like, "Oh yeah, I'm actually the assistant manager, so I can't take tips." So it's like, so you can't tip on this transaction. So like. That sucks.
2: (laughs) It does suck. I mean, they probably make like decent
1: money, but yeah, that does suck. Uh, Well, decent isn't quite good. Decent being a very relative. That's very much. um, I distinctly, uh, so I've worked at a movie theater with a bar, um, obviously. In fact, I I managed, you know, I was a manager at one. Um, And I had the same predicament. I was the bar manager, actually, at the one I worked at. And so I often, if like somebody didn't show up or we were understaffed, whatever. Um, I would often work the bar and I also couldn't take tips. The thing is, I never said that. And I just gave all my tips to the other staff working concessions and stuff.
0: That's good. That's good. That's a real bro move there.
1: Yeah. I was just like, Oh, you can just have all of these. And it'd be like, I'd work a whole shift at a bar. I'd have hundreds of dollars in tips and just be like, you can have them. Like, I don't, I don't fucking need them. Um, So very weird to like, be like oh no but i guess at the amc bar if i had to guess amc is like very like like their POSs, you can't just like transfer things between them and you can't like you know yeah so like for them it's probably like very strict um at least i know at mine the the amc bar the bar is very separate from the main concession stand like there's no you know i'm not like working at the same countertop i just happen to serve beer it's like i'm working you have to go to one place and then walk yards away to go to the other <laughs>
0: yeah so, yeah uh, well i mean they, they do have these separate mcguffins at least at the one yeah that i used to go to actually I, there were two amcs in the dc area with mcguffins bars um the regal down here does not have beer the one in uh the one in arlington is <laughs> did but it was served from the same concession counter which i did really not weird.
1: know any regals had beer i'm not gonna yeah
0: i was surprised to find it out and i was like well this has now become my favorite like chain theater
1: <laughs> i thought regal was like super christian and wouldn't do that as a result um, really i, I genuinely oh. thought that i do think the founders of regal are like openly like yeah we want to promote our values and like that's why they often get those like ridiculous religious movies that other theater chains don't necessarily.
0: Oh, get. you know um, what? That would, that would maybe make some sense. Yeah. I just assumed that like the, the, I mean, there um, is a
1: crowd, there is an audience for it. So like, it makes sense anyway, but like, well,
0: I just assume cause they do a lot of like special events. They do more than AMC and like most of those are like fathom events or something like that. Um, but that, that would be interesting if they have like a specific ideological bent. I've not heard that. But, th-
1: it's one yeah. it's definitely one of them and I think it's Regal and I think the name even it's has something to do an with it. Um I think I think the name is even related to it because uh-huh. Regal, Jesus is king, lot of yeah, yada yada. Yeah. um Wow And I think I think I know this because the Regals where I'm from also housed Churches all the time, like different auditoriums, like churches that didn't what? have like their own oh. building. What would, would be in? There. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, hmm. I, I'm pretty sure it's Regal. It's definitely one of the major ones, and it's not AMC. And if it's not, it's AMC,
2: not AMC,
1: it's yeah. It's basically gotta be Regal. I mean, there are some others that are kind of big, but those are the two biggest. Unless it's like Carmike or something. I don't think it's Carmike. Does Carmike even the... exist anymore? I don't even fucking know.
0: I uh, don't. Like, did they get bought out? There was some budget chain that got bought out by AMC. I don't know if that was Carmike or not. But anyway, you know, we're getting into the weeds on movie chains here, as we, we often do. do. <laughs> um, let's talk these movies out. And since we, we've already touched on Don't Breathe 2, and this is probably going to be the quickest review of the night, Let's
1: let's go through that one. Yeah, bad movie. Um. Um, great, <laughs> <laughs> not great, Bob. Yeah, uh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was not good. It was just not good. It and that's a bummer because I did think the first one, despite not being great, was good. The um, first
0: one was fun, and it like the obviously there's there's a moment in that movie that is kind of like, eh. That no. movie
1: that's not but, even, yeah, that's one way to describe that movie. Yeah, um, but at,
0: but at the same time, it's it's a fun movie. It's genuinely interesting, and like the way that they build tension, in that movie is really cool. Um, the follow up, not so much, mainly because like you're expected to to a certain extent be rooting for. The
1: the blind guy, To yeah. a certain extent, <laughs> it like it jumped to okay. I think we've talked about it before in the podcast. Like the cynicism of like slasher movies, especially where they like get to the point where they want you to root for the killer. It like jumped to that like real fast. Yeah. Like I this was is like the
0: second movie. I was like this is usually like
1: a, a fourth or fifth entry of the series move that we make. Like the fact that you're making it now is really bizarre. Like <laughs> like there is no sympathy. Also, I gotta say. He's like less sympathetic than other horror villains because of the what the fuck moment in the first movie. It's like he right. also wants to turkey-based his come into people. Like yeah. he's, he's you know, fucking weird. Like <laughs> I'm not rooting for that. Like, I
0: almost find <laughs> like like the faceless psychopath of Michael Myers more relatable than that fucking weirdo, <laughs> which is saying a lot. <laughs>
1: Um, like it's really weird and like i'm not rooting for that guy i'm never gonna (laughs) do that like and it's very weird that the movie is like yeah sure and i'm like i don't want that and it's very cynical and weird like it's like they could have made a better movie if they would made him just like an out and out villain and not been like but maybe we like him maybe he's sad and lonely and it's like well like lots of people are sad i'm sad and lonely i don't fucking do that shit like I just fucking masturbate like a normal human. Like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is wrong with this? (laughs) What's strange
0: is that I feel like this movie goes through, like, several different points of, like, where you're, like, kind of like, all right, like, he sucks, but, like, these guys are worse, whatever. And then you're, like, actually, no, like, these guys are better. And this guy is, like, a piece of shit. So, like, things are going fine. And then, like by the end, you're like, everyone's terrible. I'm not rooting for anyone. I just uh, everyone should die except for that little girl and maybe and maybe the dog. And then, like those are the only characters that I remotely care about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. So the basic premise of this movie, is, like the first one, is fairly straightforward up until the end. It was just like you know these bunch of robbers think they're like gonna gonna rob this old blind guy's house. And he turns out to be some ex-Navy SEAL, and he's like a much more formidable opponent than they would have expected. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, <laughs> we get that that horrible turkey baser scene where we find out that he's been, you know, keeping this girl captive in his basement so that he can replace the, his daughter who got killed by like a drunk driver or something. I don't like, it's, it's fucking since, like, weird. It's really fucking weird. It's, it's really fucked normal. up. <laughs> um, and you know, to a certain extent you could accept it. Like, Oh, it's just a fucked up horror movie. Okay, fine. Like this guy's the, the villain. He's got some fucked up aspects, but like then in this one, he's like, he's more of the protagonist, you know, you can't, but you can't really call him an anti-hero because it's not just like, oh, he doesn't play by the rules. It's like, no, he's he's a fucking rapist. Yeah. <laughs> you can't... You There's a lot of things that you can get an audience to excuse, but, like, you're never going to want to side with the rapist. It's not... There's a whole
1: genre that is devoted to the idea that you won't ever side with the rapist. There's a whole sub-genre of horror devoted to that concept. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd, like... <laughs> It's very bizarre that this movie was like, well, now like maybe he's okay. And like no, he's not. And no matter what these other people do, like he's not okay. Like it, very
0: weird. Very weird. So, like in this one, he's got this daughter that he apparently like I I don't how do how do they play it off in the beginning so you don't know exactly how he
1: obtained this girl. And I actually don't know if we, I mean, she was like running from a fire, right? Yeah. We see that in the beginning. And
0: so I guess like, you know, that like, like he, he got her rescued her from this fire or whatever. Um, We don't know a lot about it. And then like, we see like eight years later, he's like training her in survivalism. It's like, I don't know. It's like one of those, there's like a masters of horror episode like this where like, like the girl is like really well-trained in survivalism because she had like this psychopath dad.
2: Oh Um, yeah. Uh huh.
0: um, But yeah, it reminded me of that. But anyway, um, then like the, like people break into their house, which is like this super highly secured compound. And (laughs) it's like just down the street. (laughs) <laughs> from the previous house, from like like the the burned down house, <laughs> you can see the burned down house, like oh in, yeah, right down the street from it, which is hilarious. But like the funny thing is, like throughout all of this, I didn't remember how the first movie ended. So I was like, oh, did they burn down his house at the beginning? Like, was this his house? And I'm like, no. Like it turns out this was a different house, and like he just saw this girl run out into the street and like took her and raised her as his child um but like these people break into the house and are like coming after the girl and you <laughs> think like they're like these Oregon harvesting gang that they like hinted at at the beginning uh when like they uh, uh, like on a TV broadcast um but I mean, it turns
1: they, they sort of are but like, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> well this is where it was like you go back and forth between like oh these are the bad guys wait these are the good guys no these are the bad guys the whole time so it's like you think they're this organ harvesting gang and they're just there to harvest her organs. But then it turns out like the guy, the ringleader is like actually her dad. And he was the guy in the house fire.
1: Like it was like a meth lab explosion. Yeah. (laughs) I think the funniest thing is that it was a meth lab explosion. (laughs) I think it's like, okay, breaking bad extended universe. win. like (laughs)
0: basically, yeah, like, (laughs) like, okay, these guys would fit like they literally just could have come right out of breaking bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're like okay well these are clearly scummy people but like he's coming out after his daughter and like gonna rescue her and give her better life than this like freaking blind rapist guy and then like and they take her back to the hotel and this is my favorite like this is the one part where i was like okay this movie is kind of good i like the part that, get, that they're like hanging out at the abandoned hotel Yeah. it it reminded me of The Collection, which is the far <laughs> superior movie to this. Yes, The Collection um, is far superior. Just vibes of that, like oh, abandoned hotel vibes. I love yes. it. Yes. Um, and then it turns out like they're actually, they, they need to cut out her heart to transplant into her dying mother so that she can
1: keep cooking meth for that. Which is a ridiculous, just, like, an absolutely ridiculous plot. I don't even know that, like, you can just, like, do the thing that they're thinking that they can do. I'm, like, also, like, this is, like, a rudimentary job being done by a one-surgeon team. Yeah. With the help of some, like, robbers and meth cookers. I'm, like, okay. This is probably going to go really well.
0: A full it's, heart transplant being done in like this abandoned hotel. It's very saw room.
1: three vibes. It's like, well, it you're is. a surgeon, so you can just do it. And it's like, I need better equipment. Mm-mm, we're not doing that for you. And it's like, okay, well, uh, this is all going to go belly up. This um,
0: is going like, to work because I'm actually <laughs> cutting the heart out of a living person and then transplanting it into another living person.
1: Like you think about it like obviously heart transplants have happened in the world. You have to transplant a heart, you have to cut a person open, you have to detach the heart from all of the veins and things that are connected to the heart and then move it into another person and connect it to those veins and things. Do you understand that that's not easy? What the <laughs> fuck are we talking about? Like It's like,
0: really I, hilarious, but like my, the funniest part to me was like as soon as they started the scene that was set in that room. I was like, Oh, okay. This is what we're doing. It was like, they, they, this was clearly the part where they're like, all right, like, we don't know. Like, are these still the good people? Because it was like, oh, she's with her parents now. Like these yeah, people but they're are not. They're like, not they good. care about her. But I'm like, why is this? Like, what's with all of, like the medical equipment around them here? And then the dad was like very obviously like, I'll get you some orange juice. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. And yeah, so it's fucked up. So then, like, so then the 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 blind guy has to come and rescue her. Is like the only part where he's like we're remotely rooting for him. But then like he has this like moment where he's like, I'm not a good guy. You know, I've killed and I've raped. And like, I, I like, I'm not, I'm, I shouldn't be your father or whatever. Like you shouldn't love me or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, she shouldn't like, you're no. right. But also, like it just felt so unearned because I'm like, I don't know why this guy is suddenly feeling guilty of his actions. It just it feels like the writers suddenly realizing, like, oh yeah, this guy's actually kind of fucked up, and uh, we need a reason for you to somehow still root for him. Because it's like, well, like, what transformation has he gone through to get to this point? Right. Other than the other than the part where the the bad guys are like, oh, you kidnapped this girl like your dad's actually not who you think he is and you know it's like yeah like they were right about that but it's not like they they confronted him with his other crimes and like made him think about that right the, the whole part about him feeling guilty for like kidnapping that girl and whatever uh and the turkey baster incident that just it feels totally unearned like why is he suddenly regretting that <laughs> right Who knows? He was, he's just as shitty as he was then. Yeah. Um, that like that at that point, it was, that was when I was just like, ah, fuck this. Like, yeah, there's no, uh, there's no redeeming value to that. It's just such a weird choice for a movie.
1: I don't understand. I don't understand why they did that. I don't think they, I don't know why they thought that would be like a good or like relatable or like entertaining choice to make. Like, it's just like cringy. Like (laughs) it was,
0: yeah, but, I mean, there there are some fun parts to this. It is a cool, like, home invasion-style thriller for at least, like, the part of, like, the second act. Um, there's some interesting kills and mutilations in this film. Um, <laughs> the dog is cool. The little girl is kind of cool, although, like, her whole motivation to, like, run off to this, like, basically orphanage... <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> it's like that's weird. like
0: that's like the best thing you can imagine is going to this orphanage yeah, like I, you can hang I, out with i also kid.
1: thought that was weird it was like oh i'm gonna go and be with people and i was like yeah it's an orphanage
0: <laughs> yeah those kids aren't happy they're like they're hoping to get adopted
1: yeah i mean they they, they were fake happy in the movie though they looked happy yeah. so she was like yeah and it's <laughs> like i don't think you understand like orphanages are not like traditionally a happy experience i mean in, if this were another universe, maybe because orphanages should be a happy experience, like right, should, you know. But like, that's just like not the reality of the world we live in.
0: So. Yeah, no, I severely doubt that. An, there's a happy orphanage, especially in the world of this movie, where like they're living in basically like the most devastated, stereotypical vision of Detroit
1: imaginable. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I also like she's also like a teenager or whatever. So like, you're not going to get adopted just like realistically. Yeah. Like teenagers don't get adopted. So, um, it just seemed the movie was a, a miscalculation, like on all fronts, it was just like, not good. Um, just not good. Not good. Not, not at all. And it did not make Mm. the, the, like the movie very clearly wanted to make the blind man, like, a like a horror icon. Like it wanted him to be like a thing that like can carry multiple horror sequels. Yeah. And they just like completely botched the way you do that. Like, right. You
0: know, Well, I'm just like, like, where can you, where can you go from here? Like, do you, do you go back to being the the villain or do you make him the, well, yeah. I mean, the the first one at like, even with its problems, like worked well as a self-contained movie. And, you know, it, it was good for, you know, it, as like a kind of a B-grade horror film. It absolutely did not need any sort of follow-up. Right. <laughs> the, it, it did not, like, the the whole setup of the story sort of seemed to necessitate an end with the first one. I guess it was just so successful they felt like they, they could follow up on it. But it just, some stories just, you know, you don't need to do that. <laughs> and this one, I really, like, so the end sort of seems to hint that they might be able to continue this to a third installment. i was like, what do you do here? Do you go back to him being the villain or is he the hero now? And like, what sort of shenanigans is he getting up to this time? I don't know. It's God, <laughs> this I is just, don't. this is just a baffling movie. I don't know why this yeah. exists.
1: Well, I don't know that the filmmakers know why it exists. So you're in luck. You're not the only one. I didn't hate it
0: as much as I thought I might. Cause I like, I definitely heard that there were bad reviews coming to this. I just had to
1: kind of see how they followed up on that one. I and really I had some didn't fun, like but, it. I did not like yeah. it at all. I thought it was pretty bad. Um, and I, I hate that because it's kind of hard for me to just like really like, I don't know. You see what I watch on a daily basis. I watch <laughs> like the worst shit that is imaginable. Like That's I love, true. I love bad horror movies. They're like one of my, favorites. but like, it's another thing when a horror movie is like trying to be like a reserved sort of bad. Like it's like, this was like trying to be this sort of bad that like this was trying to be good in a way that can appeal to a lot of people while still being really like, it was just like, this is just like so annoying. Like it's yeah. so frustrating. Um, and it just like lacked creativity. Like, I don't know. It just, it was not interesting. It was not fun. They, the killer also I kind of think I kind of think that like the making the killer's entire stick like oh but he's blind like it's like okay it's kind of suspect and maybe we shouldn't <laughs> be doing this um, yeah and like well it worked in the first
0: one just because yes. like the the whole premise was just like all right like it's all about sound and it's like if you can stay quiet like you can defeat him but it's like how how long can you keep that going <laughs> This I, one relied a lot less on that. And at some moments, I truly feel that the film forgot that he was supposed to be blind.
2: Yeah. There's I this one,
0: right. sh- this one shot after his house gets set on fire where he's like standing outside of it, like ostensibly sensibly looking at it and the cameras like behind him, like witnessing the devastation. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, so, are we supposed to be like sensing the fact that he's feeling this great loss at this moment as the house is burning the ground, but he can't see it? So, why, like, what, why are we,
1: we can't see him seeing the devastation if he can't actually see it? Yeah. I do think that, like, maybe like fire is hot. Like, maybe he was like feeling the heat from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
0: well, I, I mean, like, uh, obviously he would know the house on fire, but of course, like, yes it's just the way the shot is framed as if he's like watching and i
1: completely i completely agree it's ridiculous like i i also feel like the first movie didn't like the first movie let you think for a while like is he like pure evil or is he just like a guy defending his home like like there was like some element of that and in this one it's like you know he's pure evil you know he's like a crazy rapist psychopath man and so like it's just like it's weird to just be like, and the shtick is still, he's just blind. It's like, okay, um, got it. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just like weird to make like a an actual human disability, like the like thing that's like, that's why he's evil. It's like, hmm. um, <laughs> I have some questions about all of what we're doing. Yeah, right I don't know. Uh, like, Again, Could you imagine if a horror villain was like. I don't know. Like I have fucking rheumatoid arthritis. Like what the fuck? Like we don't do this. Like (laughs) that would be a
0: very strange horror movie indeed. Well, again, I think it's the sort of thing like it works for one movie, but once you start stretching it past then it's like, okay, but why, why is this? Like, why are we doing it this way? Yes.
1: I mean, I do think it's, I thought, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first one and I thought it was like interesting that, you know, I thought it was interesting that the villain was blind and it made for interesting set pieces in a lot of ways. But this one, it was just sort of like I don't know why we're still doing this, and the movie isn't really structured around it in the same way. Like, um, so I don't know. Also, I don't know why it's called "Don't Breathe." Um, I guess it's because like he can hear you breathing, but like, right. It's kind of silly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the idea.
0: Like, it sounds scary, you it know, does, and yeah. like, the, and it and it goes with the whole you know, like
1: don't let him hear you kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of oh the other horror like there are other horror movies that also have names that make no sense and the biggest one that comes to mind is one of the biggest horror franchises in history right now and that's the conjuring I'm just like I don't really know why it's called the conjuring it's (laughs) nobody nothing gets conjured ever demons possessing things like there's no I mean the third one there actually is some conjuring going on the third one is the conjuring
0: it's the first one that actually includes conjuring yeah
1: the The other other two are just like about like actual demons possessing people it's like nobody is like doing Doing this like there's the no demons, conjuring happening yeah, they're doing the demons are already there <laughs> like, yeah. the demons
0: um, did not need to be conjured for those first two uh, movies they yeah. were already very much present
1: yeah so like there is like a thing with, like horror movies like just like running out of name ideas and just picking them but like don't breathe is a unique name like you could have done anything else but um, I do I mean I like the name I just think that it's kind of silly for what okay, well,
0: is. again I feel like it fits better for the first one than it does for the second one Mm-hmm. um it's like why is it called don't breathe in the second one there's very little like hiding from people in this movie which yeah. is like the entirety of the first film I,
1: th- I think a lot of the first movie like i don't want to call the first movie quiet in any sense but like there's like moments where it's like you know the tension is brought to you by like the fact that you were like everybody's trying to be like silent and they're sneaking around and like the the score is like it's not, like, in your face, and the audio yeah. is not in your face. In this movie, they were like, we're not being subtle. Um, <laughs> we can be loud. And I'm like, but why? Like, the concept yeah. of this movie is that you shouldn't be a loud movie. Like, at least not excessively so. But this movie was very loud.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a very, very, like, really one of the strangest follow-up horror sequels I can think of. Yeah. Just, like, other than, like, unless you want to talk about like halloween three which is great but like obviously does not fit with the rest of the franchise right um but like this you know same characters but completely different kind of concept
1: well same character
0: yeah yeah the same one guy um and works very much not as well
1: (laughs) yeah it's just not good i did not like this movie
0: um I We're actually okay. I I had fun, you know, I mean, like it, it it filled the, you know, just go out on a evening and watch a horror movie need. But uh, not something I ever think I'm going to rewatch.
1: No. And I wouldn't recommend anyone pay for a ticket for it.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I Like not even if you like the first one, because it's like it, even if you like the first one, like this isn't giving you more of the same thing. So no. I don't know why. It, it's it's really just like I don't know. I guess if you're curious as to how they follow up on that, this go see it. But other than that, not really. Um, okay, so that's Don't Breathe Two. Um,
1: it was a movie. Yeah, probably. Movie.
0: I think we're gonna we're gonna move from like least to say to most to say tonight. Yeah, that's um, probably right. So I think next we should talk about Candyman.
2: Candyman.
0: Um, this. Candyman. Candy man. don't don't you dare Candyman. fucking stop it
2: Candyman.
0: oh
1: well you're not looking in the mirror right now. actually so you've I... been in my kitchen so
0: no stop it <laughs> please stop it. i'm not even kidding like do not summon Candyman on this podcast he will show up at a very inopportune time probably voiced by one of us very poorly um yeah. so let's let's just not even do that um significantly better than Don't Breathe Two. Just yes, to absolutely just, to and start especially with that. just
1: like in terms of like like filmmaking prowess. Like tacosta is a significantly better director than I don't even know who directed fucking Don't Breathe Two, but like <laughs> she is a way better director. Um <laughs> like Yeah.
0: This is um, a this is a really good movie, just for stars. I really like this. I don't have as much to say about it as I thought I might have. But um just in general, just a really fun movie. Really interesting way to follow up on the original Candyman. I think fun um, is
1: an interesting word for it. I don't think I would use the <laughs> word fun for this
0: movie. But um, uh, there's there's a lot of fun moments in here. Like I the movie at times can be kind of silly. Like when it can. when the so,
1: when the art gallery about, owner
0: gets killed, here, that's kind of yes,
1: fun. That, that part was good. So here's my thing about this movie. And I'm not stating anything that, like, hasn't been stated before. There's a really good Vulture review that I read by Angelica Jade Bastian that I really liked. Um, they disliked the movie a lot more than I did. I actually liked the movie. Um, but it does feel like, at times, the movie is taking itself seriously in a way that, like, maybe it just needed to calm down. A little. Like, it's like, it's very much like, we're horror, but, like, are we really horror? We're, like, smart horror. And it was sort mm-hmm. of like, okay, like... Like, it felt like at times the movie was like, we don't want to be classified as horror. And I don't really like when horror movies do that. You know, that's like one of my least favorite things that a horror movie can do. And I do feel like this movie did some of that. There are moments where it's really, really good. I think the art, the scene that you're talking about where like the the art gallery owner gets killed with his like, his girlfriend and they're being hipsters and they're like getting off to like (laughs) weird true crime stories. Like, it's great. That's great. And it's very pointed. Um, I also think the big scene at the end where you get the cameos um, was also really fun um, or cameo, I guess. Um, yeah. Like I thought that was really good. And like, so there are a lot of moments that I think are really good, but I think that it's like, there's a lot of like self seriousness and like we're above other horror movie mentality. I don't think that's necessarily needed to fault. fall. She's doing a great job directing. I think it's just like the whole script. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It was a, it was good, but I don't think, I think the trailers made me think it was going to be more, pure slasher fun than it was like I thought it was like a little you know a little more serious and not necessarily in the best way all the time because at the end of the day it is still a slasher right um, yeah so. I mean
0: like the 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 original Candyman I feel like really walks that line really well it does yeah. between like being like serious and about like you know like the actual struggle of these communities and and of like the history of racism and violence against black people be like becoming like sort of a curse that like lurks around. Um, and this one, like I felt like it expanded on it in an interesting way. Like having people like that, that one guy with the cleaner who was like, yeah, like we need these stories and like, we, like this is like how we deal with, like the the weight of all the like the violence and the oppression that they feel and like this is like the physical man like the candy man is like the physical manifestation of that like it got really like um cerebral there at times Mm -hmm. um and, and like maybe maybe to a little bit too much um but i thought i thought that was very interesting what the one thing that i think could have been like just a little bit crazier you know, that, that part where, um, they like, uh, his, uh, his girlfriend like wakes up and she's like in that, in that abandoned church or whatever. And mm-hmm. like the, the, the guy who's been, who's being turned into Candyman and like in real time, which is already a very crazy cool element to this film. Yes. Um, uh, and then like the, the, um, the, the dry cleaner guy who's like clearly like full, like, we need Candyman, like, at like out of nowhere, like a Candyman fanatic. I feel like if that if there had been like a cult of Candyman, if there had been like a whole bunch of people in this church scene, that would have like taken it up to eleven for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's I think what that's... this
0: needed. We needed the cult of Thorn, but for Candyman,
1: basically. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. I I just thought like I don't know. It was just a weird. I don't know. I liked it. I just thought it was like it felt like kind of instructional at times. Like it was like it was like telling us what it was all about and what the whole point was and I was like okay just like let us see the point. Like let Mm -hmm. us just like view it. You don't need to tell us Um, which is and it's just like it was a weird thing to feel because like I don't know, like, I mean, Nia da Costa obviously made this film, and I want to give her credit for that. Um, Jordan Peele was a major part of the screenplay and the pro- production. I don't feel like yeah. his movies are typically like that. Um, so, like, I was just like a weird, I don't know. I felt like there there was a lot of, like, instruction and in telling us what the movie was. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, it was still good. It's still really, really good. I think that um, I'm just like... I'm seeing a lot of like, wow, this was the best movie of the year from some horror fans. I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. And I wish that I did think so because the trailer has made me think I was going to think so. Like, I right. will admit I that. Wasn't,
0: uh, <laughs> I wasn't as blown away as I thought I might be. But also there were a lot of like interesting elements that I didn't see coming. Yes.
1: That, and I, like, I do give the movie props, really cool. obviously, for being a horror movie that's like, explicitly about things like it is about mm-hmm. important topics and that's that's, that's always good. great I, d- I do think horror does that in general now so like I, you know like i don't give a movie as many just like default props for that as i did what it like 10 years ago but like like i do give it a lot because it's like very explicitly going for something like that's like that's important and that matters um and i love when a horror movie does that which this one did I just think it was like, it was a, I felt like the tone was a little jumbled at times. Like you have that scene in like the girl's bathroom in the high school where like kids are like slaughtered and it's very fun and scary and dark. But then like, yeah, movies like moments where it's just like, and here's like a history of gentrification. I'm like, wait, can we like take a moment? Like, (laughs) like the tone is just like all over the place here. It is Um,
0: jumbled. Like that, that is, that's a good point. Cause like, yeah, it is, it does. Uh, switch very quickly between stuff that's like almost kind of comedic in the way that it's over the top violent and then like very serious material.
1: Yeah. And um, like, obviously I don't think it's bad if a movie like wants to like really tackle gentrification. The first Candyman did that. And this one also is doing that. And that is a good and important. And the horror of gentrification is very real. Um, like gentrification is an inherently horrifying phenomenon. Um, but it is like sort of like, Emotional whiplash to like go between these things like that, and there mm. I think there might be a way to do it so that there doesn't have to be that whiplash.
0: Is all I, I did. Suggest. I did <laughs> really like the style of the kills in the, yeah. the movie. Oh my god, um, so good. Which is not something that's really present in the original. This one, like you know, well you can see the effects of the killing, but you can only see Candyman doing it if you're watching him in a mirror. In a mirror, yeah. That, that was, is really cool.
1: I thought that was really fun and really really good. Um, it was scary it was effective I, I really enjoyed that I liked that you could only see him in a mirror and just like this idea of like like he's like this sort of like perversion of our reality but he's also like our reality like uh, the candy so I don't know it was it was a very interesting concept and I thought that was really really good I really liked yeah. that a lot I mean structurally so much about this movie I loved I loved the direction I loved the visuals I thought it was all like really really well put together um mm-hmm just like absolutely phenomenally crafted uh the the, bas- like- the basic filmmaking craft i don't want to say basic but the filmmaking craft on display is like unmatched in curtain horror i mean this was like really really well put together like so mm-hmm. it was it, it was excellent in that regard and all of I, it, all the visuals all of that
0: I like the idea of like Candyman being turned into like an art exhibit and like, yeah, in that way becoming like a mind virus of sorts that like spreads and like people like can't stop talking about it. So like more and more of these things happen
1: because of that. Um, yeah. yeah. I also mind virus makes me think of the ring, which is just like, anyway, <laughs> okay. um, which I. If you haven't read the books, the Ring books are all about like an actual virus. Uh, like that's the point of the the books. They're they're spo- they're all about like how it's a virus. Um, anyway, so in my mind, everything about virus horror think makes me think the Ring. Anyway, I think it was really smart to make um, Candyman become like this like art exhibit type thing. I think that's really indicative. I mean, that's a really good example of how this movie is updated from the '90s to now, right? Uh, because yeah. that is, wh- I mean, just think about like in a way it's like calling out the legacy of like filmmaking and how there's so much film. That's like about like black pain and like horror inflicted upon right. black people. And like, and so it's like this, this idea of the Candyman then becoming an art exhibit that like, a bunch of like white hipsters go and view and are like,
2: "Wow, so yeah, so yeah." It's cool. about
1: like, like
0: actual suffering being turned into art and in then yeah. commercialized and so which, like of,
1: that. which of course, like actual suffering is always going to be turned into actual art. I would like, I mean, even by yeah. the people who did suffer, like that's always going to happen. But like the way that it becomes commodified by people who mm-hmm. have no yeah. relation to or. I don't want to say no relation because white people obviously have a relation to this, <laughs> like, um, uh, so but they are not on the the receiving end of that suffering. Right. Um, they, you know, they, they will go and just be like, wow, this is so, so heavy and, and emotional and raw. And like, then just walk away and be like, do you want to go get like mimosas? Like, um, you know, like I do think that that movie is calling that phenomenon out. And it's very common. And I think it's very big right now. Like, yeah and they, they uh, and
0: they worked like artistry into like the process of gentrification with being right. like oh like all oh, you artists move in here after they've knocked down the slums or whatever and like yeah like that's that's a very big part of the the cycle of gentrification so it it feels like this is you know like coming full circle from what we saw in the first movie
1: right right yeah I really enjoyed that I, I also liked that the movie wasn't like the artists are responsible for gentrification. Like there's that whole scene Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's like, Oh, the the artists come here because it's the only place they can afford at this point. And people are, are bending over backwards to invite them in here. The white artists, like that's like what, like that's what gentrification is. It's like these people like bending over backwards to be like, Oh, the black population, like whatever, like let's invite in the white artists. Like, and like they, they do that because that's the only place it they can afford and then suddenly they can't afford that even anymore and it's like yeah it's like this whole terrible phenomenon and living in new york it, it, i mean i see it
0: <laughs> yeah i mean we were just talking today about how much williamsburg has changed right yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah absolutely williamsburg is like not what it used to be you know um yeah williamsburg new york williamsburg brooklyn is definitely a different place than it what like people think of it as like the hipster enclave now it's like well it's not really anymore it's like where you live if you like Work like a a tech job, but you're like, you go to a rock show on the weekends. Um, you want
0: to pretend like you're still in your twenties.
1: Yeah, um, which like <laughs> fair. I'm thirty, and I want to pretend I'm in my twenties.
0: Um, Same. But like,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So like, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought that was really. I thought the commentary was really well done in general. If a little like, again, like the the whiplash is what it is. But like it, like I liked the thrust of what the movie had to say. I thought that was really good and and smart. Um, and I was appreciative of that because you don't see that in horror like that bluntly and that like earnestly in horror all the time. You see a lot of horror yeah. that sort of like is like we're gonna tackle issues and they're gonna like loosely tackle issues. This movie is like no, we're gonna do this and we're gonna like do it.
2: Um, yeah.
1: So I do appreciate that. I thought that was really good. Um, I also yeah. thought the cast was awesome. Um, like the oh main yeah, cast, oh the main cast man. was really really good.
0: Everybody in this was was really good. Yes. Even yeah. even like the small supporting roles. Yes.
1: Yeah. That great I thought just like printer. everybody came in and like really did a great job with this movie. Um, obviously, Abdul Mateen is um, excellent, He's so fucking right? good. Yeah. I,
0: I love him and everything. And I hope we see a lot more of him yeah. going for it. He was yeah. so good in this. Yeah. I really he really agree. sold like the artist losing his mind and like gradually sinking into this whole thing. Right. Uh, just so much fun to watch right yeah
1: i love that i thought um i just thought the cast was was really really special and great um and, you know that's another thing you don't always see in a horror movie you don't see a good cast with good performances um so it was nice to see that here uh, really love that just yeah. like such a good candy well, such a good i guess it, it you know such a good main character I would also risk a lot for this main character if, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, well, might kill me, but. This is fun. Um, <laughs> All um, right. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I overall, I really like the movie. I know like up front, I had some, some criticism. Um, it's just a lot of, you know, but I think overall, I really, really liked it. Um, there
0: were people saying it was like a very by the numbers, like follow up to the original. Like, it does not feel like that. I mean, there's a lot I of things you can say. I don't think
1: it's by the numbers. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a false statement. I think that, I think the movie Candyman has a rough, it, it's coming out a rough time because we've all seen the trailers for like two years now. First of all, like yeah. we've been seeing the trailers constantly. Um, That's, and that's an unfortunate reality for a lot of movies right now. I also think it is, like, the quote-unquote legacy sequel. Um, which we is coming a lot out of those rough. these days, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, kind of rough because, like... I mean, just, like, Halloween 2018 did a number on the concept of the legacy sequel. Like, you have to live up to that. And, like, yeah. like Halloween 2018 isn't a perfect a movie high bar. by any means. But, like, it's, like, really fun. And, like, <laughs> it's, like, a high-octane film to experience. Yeah. Like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, It knows
0: what it's doing and it does it well.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like doing like the legacy sequel thing now is like kind of hard. Like I like trying to imagine, like if somebody was like, I'm going to do a Friday the 13th and it's going to be a direct sequel to the first Friday the 13th. I'd be like, what? Like, that's like a hard, (laughs) hard sell, man.
0: We're going to bring back Kevin Bacon somehow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like what? (laughs) Um, Huh? (laughs) um, So I don't know. Like, I think that, The movie is just coming out like at a, at at a rough time for being what it is. Um, So, but I do think it's really good and I'm really appreciative that we got this movie. And I think it's, I think people should watch it. I think it's really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, like, also, the movie just looks really beautiful. It looks so good. And we haven't talked about that, but, like, there's so much cool design in this. Obviously, because, like, it's based around artist, and there's, like, stuff in art galleries and stuff. All that looks really cool. But, like, there's lots of really cool scenes, like, in that, like, mirrored elevator that he's in. Yes, yeah, and, that like, was really good. Stuff yeah. like that and all, like, the little, like... Puppet type sequences. Oh yeah, those were the... fucking
1: great. Those were some of the better. Se- I mean, not some of the better because there are a lot of good sequences, but um, those like like weird puppet animation type scenes were some of the best. Um, yeah, it, it, the really movie good. just
0: has a really interesting visual style, and it does, yeah, it like start to finish basically, yeah. yes. it's always good to look
1: at. Yeah. Yeah, there's never, like, a moment where you feel like a, a, a shot was, like, poorly framed or put together. Um, everything is, like, very carefully constructed. And I think that's very, very good and very obvious. I mean, it's just, like, obvious that there was a lot of thought and heart put into making that and and putting together every single shot, uh, which I love. So
0: Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, they, it's... When you see a sequel made to a movie like decades down the line, you always are skeptical of like, all right, are they actually like going to put the time and effort into this to make this a quality follow up or is it just going to be a cash grab? And this is definitely, it's not a a cash grab. This is not a cash grab. This is a movie that has something to say. It's interesting. Like there may be some shortcomings in terms of like the, the tone being inconsistent or whatever, but like it's, it's a movie with a point of view That has a reason to exist, not just to be like, hey, let's get everyone who remembered watching Candyman the first time to give us twelve bucks to see this. Right. Or more like fifteen bucks these days.
1: (laughs) Wow, fifteen. It's like seventeen here.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's cheaper here these days. It's like gone back to paying twelve bucks.
1: Wow. I would love to pay twelve
0: bucks. No, Um, but but I but I never pay the individual. Prices because I use my Regal, Regal. Unlimited pass. We use a
1: Regal Unlimited. Regal. Dr.
0: Explore. <laughs> Rapidly becoming my favorite character because I have to see the Dr. Explore promo at the start of every oh, Regal my movie. god. I'm like, that's me. That's basically me. I'm, I'm Dr. Explore. I'm exploring the movies. I even like animated musicals. Okay. It's enough quoting so, the Doctor Explorer so from us. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. Um
1: Dr. Explorer should have appeared in Jungle Cruise. Like, Doctor Explorer absolutely should have That would have been a great Cruise. part of your prevention. Jungle Cruise expanded universe theory. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, ooh, ooh. Just can't wait for that to, to come to fruition. Yes. We're already getting people buying in to the idea of this expanded universe. Wow. I, I like it. I think, I think it's, you know, we're, we're building the awareness of this. Here. I believe you. So yeah, remember folks, you heard it here first. The <laughs> Society of Explorers and Adventures Expanded Universe It's happening.
1: Yes. And if we can leave you with one other thought,
0: don't say Candyman five times into a mirror. Please don't. We don't need Wait. that. We How many times that. did you make it to? You were actually doing it. When I was you... saying four, I
1: said it four times.
0: Oh, oh
1: him really close
0: don't say it that fifth time remember
1: i think it has to be five in a row right like if you break it up with other words you kind of like restart um well wasn't
0: it like the one scene where he actually summons or if you like walk away from the mirror right yeah he he didn't walk away but like he was like talking to her in between it he was like and that was enough like he's still yeah that was like the big uh, that was that was a cool scene as well. That like was a that very good big scene,
1: mirrored wall that he was looking into. Yeah, that was really cool. Also, I would never have a big mirrored wall in my home. Good for <laughs> them. But I would never I would never do anything where I'm forced to look at myself that. often. Exactly. I was like, I like I'd I'd prefer not to see I, myself. In fact, that frequently. Yeah, I was gonna say I in fact, like especially in my living room, it's like I have woken up on my couch at four in the morning getting drunk to matchbox 20. I don't need to see myself. <laughs> don't want to don't want to see what i look like right now i wake up and look in the mirror and i'm like well i'm not crazy i'm just a little unwell (laughs) (laughs) i know right now you can't tell (laughs) it's 3 a.m i must be lonely um yeah okay Let's move on before I start making Matchbox 20 puns for the the episode.
0: <laughs> All right, folks. Yeah. Okay, so we're in the back nine now. These are the horror movies that we have a lot to say about. So
1: starting off we had a decent amount to say about candy man yeah we we actually had more and like even actually like real things to say like don't breathe too i felt like we were just rambling about how much we didn't like it i feel like we, we actually had, had to more say to Candyman.
0: say we even had more to say about that than i thought we would but yeah. here we are this these are the movies that we really think are worth dissecting the night house um this this is the one that i saw the last screening of in this area uh, and I was so glad I did. Um, this is a fantastic movie. Um, this is directed by David Bruckner, who um, is a Buzz on movies alum at this point because he directed the sequence "Amateur Night" from VHS.
1: Yeah, which is <sighs> a really, really interesting sequence, right? I think it's actually one of the better ones. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's one. That, that's the one with the crazy also- like did the 2017
1: horror movie, The Ritual. Um, Oh, yeah. Which, if you haven't seen, it's a really interesting and weird movie. I've seen that. Yeah. That
0: is so good.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. He's also... He he has been... Sorry, I have to... He's been tapped to direct the new Hellraiser.
0: Yes. So, a lot of people are saying, like... A lot of people right now are saying, go see Dark House, and this is a preview. You mean Night House. Yes. Go see Night House. <laughs> this is a preview of what you'll be getting with the new Hellraiser movie. Well, I think uh, that
1: the new Hellraiser movie is going to be way more violent than the Night House was. Almost certainly. but um, And we know David Bruckner can do violent because he did that sequence from VHS and because of oh, yeah. The Ritual, both of which are pretty violent horror movies. So.
0: Well, David Bruckner seems interested in like otherworldly beings, demons. He seems interested um, in
1: otherworldly beings and also gender issues to a weird extent. Because um, I think that the, the, the amateur night was about that. I think it's hard to right. say that the ritual is not when it's about like four dudes encountering like no women. <laughs> like, like, yeah, well, that's it's like about, sort of like inherently a gendered concept.
0: It's about older dudes, yeah. like, you know, trying to trying to keep the friendship
1: alive. Yeah. So I, I think that's like a, a which I think could come into play in Hellraiser. If you're just familiar with the Hellraiser mm. c- concept in general, yeah. it's often about like infidelity and, you know, like <laughs> so gender usually comes into play in, in that he's also has a sequence he's part of vhs 94 so we'll see him again before hellraiser
0: oh yeah i'm excited for vhs 94 too that's coming out i don't think he's
1: directing any of it but he has he's like did production and writing credits for it so um he's definitely like a sort of like up and coming horror director that i think is like gonna make a big splash if hellraiser is good he's like he's set right um Mm -hmm. and hellraiser is a hard franchise to adapt so you know good for him for taking those reins because hellraiser can could easily be very like silly and gimmicky um right
0: hellraiser you you have to walk exactly the right line between like campy and
1: like creepy yeah and i haven't really seen him go for like the campy vibe so it's kind of like a heart like you know i don't know what i expect from him on that one um anyway getting to the night house which is a very understated, for most of its run, horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually very, in a lot of ways, it's very different from any of his other horror movies. Like Amateur Night on VHS, I don't think anyone would call that an understated <laughs> horror movie. No, um, that's very in your face. I don't think anyone Just... would call it the ritual understated. Maybe for the first. Half yeah. Of its run. By the end, it's <laughs> it like, oh, this is pretty... balls to the wall. Like, we're just <laughs> fucking doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um,
0: this yeah. is the kind of movie that, like, leaves you thinking, like, days later about this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, Was it low budget? I feel like it could have been low budget if it wasn't. Um, It seemed like it. So it was. uh, I mean, the cast implies that it maybe wasn't Uh, (laughs) like (laughs) Rebecca Hall isn't no one. She's not like coming into this movie like, you know, for for free. Um, Yeah. But um, in general, it it did feel like there, you know, there aren't any like big effects, Um, even like the big like villain, quote unquote, of this movie is like just a dude looks um, like a dude yeah looks, like, looks a dude. like a dude so you know i do think that it's interesting um that the movie sort of operated that way because i actually think of him as doing more like his his main villains or main horrors being a little bit more outlandish like visually right. um you know well, he did like a he did a fucking succubus <laughs> and then he did like giant Fucking Norse god type villain things. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: visually, this villain is not too impressive, but like, um, you know. Oh yeah, in a lot uh, of ways, this villain is very frightening. The, the villain is very is, frightening. I just want to be clear. Perhaps one of the most disturbing villains you can think of. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the basic plot of oh my uh, god, somebody is walking house. a
1: cat across the street.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, continue. New York is
1: really its own kind of horror movie. It's really it? just like this it's like a big fluffy cat. And I'm like, you're just fucking <laughs> like this cat looks like it belongs on like a a dais, like just like lounging on like a little couch. Anyway. Oh,
0: <laughs> um, All right. guy, oh god. So the basic plot of the Nighthouse is that um Beth, played by Rebecca Hall, has just um, experience the suicide of her husband um, and she's going through that in a major way. She's like drinking very heavily. She's starting to like see things at times and she's like kind of not slacking off at work, you know, not showing up when she needs to whatever, not really caring. But um, she starts having these like, visions or experiences where she thinks like her dead husband is like reaching out to her in like a ghostly form. And you think that like maybe like the house is haunted by his ghost or something. Um, and just like experiencing various levels of her, like having these sleepwalking type dreams where she's talking to her husband, right? um she's also had a previous traumatic incident in her life that we find out about that like she was in this big car accident where she was like legally dead for a few minutes and yes um, and
1: that's important
0: (laughs) yeah very important to the whole movie um that she says like you know everybody always asks her you know what do you see like what's there when you die or whatever and she would always make things up about like oh yeah it was a, there was a light at the end of the tunnel or whatever but really she didn't like it to her it was just nothing there was nothing there right um oh god <laughs> and so and like so there's like this whole the uh, like conspiracy detective type angle where the, she starts going down where like she finds like pictures on her husband's phone of like all these women that look like her. And she's like, what what's up with all these women? Whenever she tracks one of them down at the bookstore and like the, the bookstore that sold her husband, these occult books and yes. stuff. And yes. there's like, this is my favorite part is like the, there's books related to like occult, occultism and architecture yeah and like physical spaces being part of like an occult ritual which like i want to read the books that yeah. are in this like yeah. apparently these are not real books but i'm like i want to read them yes <laughs> like, i would love to about? read those books
1: i would at least love to read the theories and inspired the fake books um, yeah so you might have they're... to go into some weird dark unfriended dark web you might have to go into some weird territory Oh, uh, no. No, no not unfriended. unfriended dark web. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I... So, this movie... <laughs> I don't know. This was a very creepy... I don't want to call it even a slow burn, because it's not really a slow burn. Like, it's like creepy from the beginning. It's not like one of those movies where, like, you spend a while where it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then all of a sudden at the end, you're like, what? Like, it's not Rosemary's Baby. But, like... No, yeah. But, like... It is sort of like, oh, creepy, oh, scary, oh, creepy, a few jump scares, oh, and then the end, you're just like, ah! <laughs> like, yeah. it was very things,
0: frightening. <laughs> things are, like, very progressively build in this movie. Yeah. Um, very much, like, anchored by Rebecca Hall's performance. She's, like, absolutely unbelievable in this. Yeah, she's really fucking um, good.
1: I mean, she's not going to get any awards attention, but, like... In the consideration, I would say she should be. She does a really good job here.
0: Um, Yeah, it's both her portrayal of, like, the grieving wife and, like, her portrayal of somebody, like, gradually being, like, driven off the rails by all these creepy, fucked-up things she's experiencing. She also
1: does, like, one of the, like, better performances of, like... Like being like a grief stricken heavy drinker that I've seen in yes. a while. Like it's like that's like actually a hard thing to nail in a performance because it's like it's just like something you either are or you aren't. Like you can't really pretend that you're that person when you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um. And like, but like she like really nails it. It's like yeah, I mean, yep, uh huh. Like and like so I don't know. Like she does a really good job of like of doing like the like alcoholic depression spiral that she's yeah. doing in this.
0: And it's like the drinking feeds into it because so it's like when she wakes up somewhere unexpected, you're like, oh, she just blacked out or whatever. But it's like, oh well that's
1: part of it. Right. Did um, she actually just black out or is like something happening here? Um
0: and the one thing the one thing that she does that I like most of all is like the way she like aggressively jokes about her husband's suicide to someone. Yes. Yeah. To, to like everybody else is like trying to like prove that she's okay. She's like, yeah, like he shot himself in the head. She like puts her finger to her head, like yep. <laughs> it's like, ah oh, yeah. Like she's like, she's leaning a little too hard into like, just like acting carefree about this. Like this is obviously tremendously bothering her.
1: I mean, which is like extremely relatable. Like, you know, if you've ever been through like a traumatic experience, you probably have tried to joke it off. Um, i know i have um i also think that it's like a sensitive topic obviously um we should trigger warning up front for like suicide talk for all of this um <laughs> but yeah. like um i think it's also like a, a sort of like it's spoken a lot about like degrassi but like like just <laughs> like the like the survivors after a suicide. Um, there is anger, I think. I think that's actually a common reaction and I think she sort of is embodying that without saying it necessarily. Like she's angry. She's very angry yeah. in this in these moments. And um and I think that really is something that that happens a lot in the aftermath of something like that because there's a lot of it's anger out of hurt, obviously. It's also anger out of, "Well, why did I not know?" like you know, especially her, Um, a, a key character trait in this is that she like she's the one who suffers from like depression and suicidal ideations. She she mentions that in the movie Um mm-hmm. and like she's sort of like, well, I didn't realize I should have realized. And I, I think she's mad. She's mad at him. She's mad at herself. Um, yeah, that's
0: and- a it's bi- a big part of it. Like yeah. like her going down this rabbit hole of his life It's like I didn't. Like uh, how much else did I not know about my husband's life? Like I didn't know that he carried like these dark secrets. I didn't know that he was like even close to thinking about taking his own life. And so like, what else don't I know? And like feeling guilty about like, why didn't I see this coming?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think she really, really, I mean, the movie is not actually it's sort of like in a lot of ways, like a complete, like, contrast to Candyman. This movie does not want to explain any of itself to you most of the time. It's just sort yeah. of like you can either put the pieces together or you don't. Like like the movie is not going to like hold your hand and like be like, "Oh yeah, that's what she's feeling. Oh yeah, that's what this means. Oh yeah, any of that." Like this movie is not pausing to explain things to you really. Even like, you know, you mentioned like the idea of like architecture as part of the occult. The movie like references that and then never even bothers to really like go into depth about why that matters. You just have to sort of figure it out. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> like <laughs> well, well
0: it does, it does sort of like, uh, well, it does sort of come around when you figure out what her architect husband has been doing. Yeah. But it do, uh, he
1: doesn't even like really explain that. Like there's like, no, so, like spoiler alert, I guess like I'm going to try yeah. not to like totally spoil it, but like, um, like he's trying to trick this thing. And like, and, like, we know that because we have seen that, like, there's this idea of, like, trapping demons in like, weird architecture. But we don't even get to see a, like, moment where it's like, oh, yeah, that's what yeah. he's doing. We just get to see her looking up and there's, like, spiral staircases and hallways. And we're it's supposed like, to put that together.
0: Like <laughs> It's like the <laughs> Winchester house. Yeah, something. yeah. Um, so yeah, like let's let's say here let's let's put a marker here and say like full spoilers going forward. yes. Um, this is the kind of movie that I would say could be spoiled if you know going into it what we know now. yeah um, and it's a movie worth seeing. so yeah and
1: it's the sort of movie where you don't want it to be spoiled. like there the, are some movies where like the spoiler doesn't actually matter. I would say this one you actually kind of yeah. want want to go in not knowing.
0: Um, so be warned going forward full spoilers here on out yeah. um yeah so like that does that does sort of come around like so we find out he's you know he's an architect we've got like these videos of him like designing their house and like helping build it and whatever he's got biceps or, he's got biceps (laughs) as you do when you're when you're building a house yeah i like that he's not
1: only a designer he like does the building too so he's like an architect and a construction crew man Um,
0: he's he's very involved is there anything
1: sexier than being both of those things don't know hard to say
0: i see why she married him it's
1: it's
0: it's got some appeal. certainly um but, what we don't know when we find out <laughs> later in the film is that he was building a second house
1: out, which in is the fucking West. crazy.
0: <laughs> that is like so so like the the fuck like the part where. The 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 girl from the bookstore comes over and she's like, so yeah, he took me to the other house and like just like that phrase in itself is so creepy. Like, I feel like it could be one of those one sentence horror stories. Like, he took me to the other house. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> just really like, fucking what? weird. Just, there's an there's a another duplicate house in the woods that's like half built and like covered up with tarps and shit, <laughs> like. That is that – is when she finds it, she's like, what on earth is this? This is like a duplicate of their house. Their house already is built to be kind of like a maze. So yes. here's something I didn't realize while watching the movie but I read about afterwards is that the way they shot the film, um, there's like no consistent layout that you can no. –
1: build For that house. Oh my it's god! Shot. No, so I was that, actually like, <laughs> while I was watching it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, yeah, because these are the things I pay attention to in a movie. um <laughs> I
0: just like I usually just go with it. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. They're in the kitchen now, but it's like there's so many scenes in that movie where she's like going through the different rooms of the house, and none of them actually line up. Like yeah. if you go back through it, it doesn't make it. There's no logical floor plan to this house. And the idea is like you know he built the floor plan of this house very so, confusing. So I actually
1: strange. think that like uh, it's good that you bring that up. I think uh, I think that that is obviously intentional in that the matter in that in universe the character of the dead husband is trying to trick a demon, so he has a confusing house. Um, yeah. I also think like that disorientation sort of lends to the overall theme of the movie where you're never really sure if she's like going crazy or if things are actually happening. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because like the whole time I was watching it, I was like, wait, what, where are we? When, what's going on? Um, and I think that that's super intentional and does like a really good, like has a really good dual purpose in the movie. Um, it, it does a really good job of just like I felt disoriented the whole time and not I mean not to compare it to like one of the greats, but like I kept thinking about like the, the original Halloween, which is like in that mm. suburbia where like I never really like in the early parts of the movie where they're driving around and stuff. I'm never really sure that I understand where we are. Like, I'm like, we're just yeah. like driving around like the blocks that all look the same and somehow getting places and I don't get it.
0: Yeah, um, that's that. I think that is also like intentionally yeah. confusing. It's supposed mm-hmm. to make suburbia seem like a place that like maybe seems safe. But like if you're actually in danger, it's very confusing and dangerous. because right, and, like, and, you don't know where you are. Everything looks the same.
1: Yes. And I thought that's what the house was doing here. Like, it's sort of like. There's never any clarity about, like, how one would escape this house, really. Like, (laughs) like, it's sort of like, I don't know what's going on. Um, (laughs) It's funny because
0: when you think about, like, a spooky house or a scary house, you'd think, like, oh, some old moldering mansion. This is a very contemporary home. It's very modern. Like um, you could see that like there, there are architecture books in this movie that like the husband bases plans off of. And they're all like modern architecture, like mid-century stuff like this. It's very modern. It's very clean and neat. It, like there's nothing that's ostensibly scary about this house from the outside or even the inside. But it's like once you start actually moving around, you're like, this is very disorienting. This is very strange. Like something is not right here.
1: Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I thought, I thought like, I loved the concept of like making architecture a part of the plot and making it like a a part of like the weapon weaponizing it against the viewer. And like, I don't know. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, As somebody who enjoys architecture. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I no. mean,
0: like this, this definitely scratched the, the architecture interest. For Where's me.
1: architecture horror. Let's do some more. Let's do yeah. some more architectural horror. We Can should we, uh... do some more. Yeah. That'd be great. Next one will be Greco Roman though. It'll be fucking about Nero, like <laughs> Nero going around and killing people in different architectural structures. Um, the ghost mm-hmm. of Nero. In fact, we'll have like a... dropping
0: Corinthian columns on people.
1: Wow. That's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Um, <laughs>
0: But yeah, so we find out that, you know, there's this second house in the woods where he took this one girl from the the bookstore and she describes this encounter with him where like he, he kisses her and is like choking her a little bit and stuff, but then like apologizes and like, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing this. I need to stop. And like, she's like, so like, obviously he felt very guilty because he was cheating on you, whatever. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, but that is obviously not what he's guilty about at all. Like she, you can see like in Rebecca Hall's eyes, she like, she knows, no, this is something deeper and more fucked up. Right. Uh, and what it turns out is the husband is actually like a serial killer of sorts like this is what i was like trying to pick up like on the whole time like is he a serial killer like yes he technically the husband is a serial killer not because he likes killing people but he's apparently he's been going out finding women that look like his wife and killing them to confuse this demon (laughs) so the demon thinks that she's dead (laughs) Which is absolutely oh,
1: right. Insane. He's trying, he's doing this to feed them to this demon or something. Like, I don't really, no. <clears throat> it's not totally, it's like, it's intentionally not clear. Like, yeah. what, like, the These demon subjects really are like touched was. on
0: and moved away. Yeah.
1: Like, and like,
0: the, 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 like one of the parts where, where she's reading from the, like the demonology books or whatever, it says like, you know, there's different ways to confuse a demon. One of it's like the architecture, as we've talked about. Um, But like another thing is like, you can like fake them out to thinking that like one person is a different person, whatever. Right. So that's why he's going after these, these women who look like his wife. Uh, And she finds all these bodies in the crawl space of the second house, which is Uh,
1: really upsetting. Yeah. That is
0: a horrifying moment in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, man, there's so many moments in this this movie that like really they they sell the horror like hard with like the soundtrack and the framing and everything. Yes. Just like, you know, I mean, we watch a lot of horror movies. I've seen a bunch of bodies in a crawl space many, many times <laughs> in these films, but none of them are quite this horrifying. Just like the way that this movie sells it is top notch.
1: Yeah, I thought it was. Um... I mean, It's upsetting but it's very, very well done. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of this movie was just like, I mean, it's not like, but so many of these concepts are new to horror. It's just like the way they're done is very effective. Um, Oh yeah. You know? So, I mean, even like dealing with like, like a horror movie about like a grieving, spouse grieving the loss of their their you know their partner. That's not even like a new horror thing. That's you know yeah we've done that before. But like they this one all handles it really well. Um it's not all the time that those movies are a are an exploration also of suicide. That is like kind of new. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I d I can't rattle off a list of movies that explicitly deal with that sort of thing. But um you know it it's definitely Taking ideas that have been done before in some ways and and doing and really excelling with them. Um,
0: yeah, there's something unique about that. Yeah, um, I uh, like all the like the dream type sequences that take place in this as well. When she's seeing, I say, I mean,
1: you say dream sequence. I'm never really sure if like a sequence was a dream or if it was just like reality at this point. I don't fucking know. It's very Um,
0: vague as to whether it's dreams or it's stuff that she's experiencing, but in a surreal way.
1: Obviously some of it is a dream because he's not alive anymore, but He doesn't have to be alive for her to see the thing that looks like him. So yeah. it's sort of like that,
0: confusing. That part where she's like she's like embracing and like kissing this invisible form
1: oh that was rough yeah that that she
0: thinks is is like the ghost of her husband or whatever she can feel him physically you can see like the press of his fingers on her skin and stuff this scene is unbelievable in terms of like the level of detail they put into making you think that like this invisible being is there
1: yeah
0: and then like you know (laughs) yeah Which that was a really like, good
1: scene and also like really horrifying and then
0: like <laughs> and then the creature reveals like i'm not your husband
1: <laughs> right. <it's> just like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> like oh my fucking god yeah that was like uh, uh, that's like you know in in like a in a different horror universe where everybody watched the same movies still that'd be like up there with like because you were home like it's just like sort of like oh yeah fucking like mortifying bone-chilling statements from the villain where it's just like holy shit. Like <laughs> um
2: yeah,
0: it's like one line right there just yeah. enough to chill you to the bone. Yeah. Um yeah, that like that's nuts. That whole sequence where she's like seeing the the murders that her husband carried out for her mm-hmm. and like being like dragged down the hallways and stuff. Yeah. God. Crazy. Like it like there's there's a lot in this movie about like both seeing and experiencing like she both sees what happened to them and experiences it firsthand. You like know what? It has, it has so back. much
1: in common with Malignant. Um, like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> wow, it in a way
0: it does, but <laughs> in a completely different level. We're oh, we're man. we're on the cusp of attacking that one, and, and oh, I'm so ready.
1: Um, yeah, but, yeah. She just like. She has to exp- I mean and it makes sense, right? Like he committed these murders for her. And so like she's experiencing like I didn't you know, like this idea of like being guilty for the things that your like ex-partner has done. Like I don't know. It's just like that he thinks he did on your behalf. Obviously in this, in the context of the movie, he actually did them on her behalf. Right. Or at least we think so. I, it's like, honestly, even by the end of the movie, it's like, was the thing real? I don't actually know. I have no fucking clue. Like what was real and what wasn't real in this movie. I just like, don't know. Um, I know that they both her and her now dead husband think this demon was real. I don't know what the demon was other than maybe literally Satan himself. Um, like
0: so yeah well the thing talks to her in this extensive like pseudo dream sequence yeah but like but
1: like it's it's like wearing
0: the disguise of her husband but
1: like the i just want to be clear the thing is talking to her in the sequence and other people are seeing her during the sequence and the thing is not there so it's sort of like this idea like are we supposed to believe that this thing is actually there and talking to her or that it's like in her head like and i don't know i don't know the answer (laughs) and so
0: the, the like the thing the thing tells her it's like you know i am what you saw in that time where you were in the car crash or whatever like you you know what you saw and you tell everyone you saw something different but we both know you saw me and i'm waiting for you right and i've been coming after you ever since so it's like in a sense it's like, you know, it's this demon that's coming after her. But in another way, it's like it's the empty void of death that it's been waiting for her since then. And that right. she's like and she's aware of it, like she uniquely among people, like she's aware that like the empty void of death is waiting for her because she's experienced it firsthand and she can't get it out of her mind ever since then. Right. To the extent that like even like even her husband experienced it and had to like battle it in his own weird ways. Um and the thing like even tries to get her to commit suicide Mm -hmm. at the end, like in the same way that her husband did, you know, shooting herself with the gun in the boat. But I just think it's so interesting. It's like it, you know, it works on two different ways. It's like either it's a demon or it's just like a literal manifestation of, like the the like fears of no afterlife. nothing, nothing once we're done. just the the empty yawning maw of
1: death right.
0: waiting for all of us
1: because I think that, like, <laughs> I mean, either option is horrifying, but they mean totally different things, right? Like like there's either nothing and we're all just going into the void, or if there are demons, I mean there's almost necessarily an afterlife. Like demons like, or something. Demons but, basically mean that the, there's more after we die. So it's like it's sort of like but like that's not necessarily a positive thing if after we die yeah. we have to suffer the torments of demons. Like <laughs> So the demon is like nothingness in body. The demon is called nothing. That is the name yeah, of the demon. In this movie. It is called nothing. Um, it was also very scary and it's very scary that the demon doesn't have a physical form in this beyond like the, the, her husband. Um, but like, it's very clear that that's just like a, a vision that she's seeing. It's not like, even if the demon is real, that's not actually the demon's form. Um, so like it's very scary that the demon doesn't have that because it's like how big is this demon what is this demon is it just like occupying whatever it wants to and like whatever like i don't know i think it's very effective and scary and confusing um in in general i thought this is a great movie
0: (laughs) yeah Um, i i I absolutely love this yeah it's it, it is the kind of horror movie that like makes you like think about actual things that you're scared about. Not just like the boogeyman in the night, but like death itself is yeah. scary, you know, like real yeah. things that affect everyone, And, you know, like grief as well. Like the fear of losing somebody close to you. All that is very real yeah. as well and is fully on display here. Right. Um, the, the movie just like really nails you with like, actual fears that like not just a a monster or something, but like stuff that hits you on a psychological level.
1: Yeah. This is just such a heavy movie. It's like shockingly heavy for a horror movie. Yeah. (laughs) There aren't really a lot of horror movies that like leave me coming away feeling like I just like had an emotional experience. Like this one, I was sort of like, wow, fuck. Like, yeah, you know,
2: Trying to I mean, think of any yeah. others
1: in recent history, I think the Lodge tried it, but I didn't like the Lodge enough for it to have worked.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. It, it did. There were ways in which it was similar to the Lodge. It was like a much better version of that.
1: And I guess like Ari Aster's movies kind of do it, but they're a little more like on the like pure horror side, like without, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. Ari Aster gets into some of the same kind of psychological
1: hereditary really things. gets into it. Yeah. Hereditary is pretty heavy. That's like, that's
0: probably the closest thing, but it, uh, hereditary also relies a lot more on like real in your face kind of scares. Yeah. Hereditary um, is definitely
1: more like upfront the psychological. Scary. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: The psychological element is very similar though. Yeah.
1: And just like the idea of like tackling, like, I mean, hereditary is also about like grief. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, definitely. I, th- I think that Hereditary also tackles some similar themes. This movie tackles them in a different way. Hereditary is talking about like, you know, when one person is grieving, the whole fucking family is fucking dealing with it. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie is literally about a very personal one person grief. Um, it does deal a little bit with how that impacts everybody else, because I think an interesting character that we don't really have time to maybe, delve into fully is the best friend of uh, Rebecca Hall um and that that she is a really interesting character here and also her neighbor her neighbor Mel um you know they're they're interesting characters here um but you know this movie in general is not really about like how your grief impacts everybody else but Hereditary definitely is because of the you know um Tony Collette and what's his name uh the wolf brother it's Alex oh, right is it out Al- okay I can never yeah. remember I can never get Alex versus Nat wolf correct they're, <laughs> they're both of them um so yeah so anyway but hereditary is definitely I think the closest analog although I think um the lodge is a good one and just in terms that the lodge is about a very explicit very traumatic incident in a mm-hmm. in that way um but yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoy that there are horror movies that are trying to do this these days. Um, you know, the the Nighthouse is definitely going to be something I think about a lot when I'm laying down to sleep for a while. So.
2: <laughs> yep, good yep. for that. You know, and if I ever to
1: get, have a near death experience, I'm pretty sure I'll think about the Nighthouse. Be like, oh, <laughs> is nothing coming for me? Um,
0: it's effective, you know. Then it, also. It, it... Before Plays we close out the night house, nothing's
1: yeah. voice was frightening. Nothing had a very scary voice. Nothing. I really wish nothing didn't have that weird. Like <laughs> it was like a vocoder affected voice. Like I was like, I don't know. I don't like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like, this is very frightening to me. <laughs> the sort
0: of voice where it feels like you're hearing it in the back of your head. Yeah. Like, what is this?
1: Yeah. The, the voice was just very scary. Um, I think this is probably the, I mean, Probably, I think this was the scariest movie of the bunch we're we're doing today. Like, oh yeah, the one Definitely. that's gonna like linger with me on in terms of scare factor the longest. Yeah, it's not gonna linger with me the longest. I think the the last one we have to cover is gonna linger <laughs> with me the longest. Um, but in terms <laughs> of like things that me, I'm scare watch me. It. <laughs> um, yeah. oh yeah, we'll I'm gonna ling- watch. I'm gonna buy we'll watch, as soon as we'll I can fucking it, like, buy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um,
0: um. But yeah. So yeah. This this one. One was just so good in like the way that it actually like makes you afraid of like things that you actually have to be afraid of you know if you're a living person I think I think everybody's afraid of death
1: I think it's probably another. the way that it exploits things you are already afraid of and it's so smart that the movie goes after like the idea of death as something to be afraid of because like horror movies actually typically brush off the idea of death as something you should be afraid of they sort of like gloss over it and be like oh yeah people just die like like and it's in a
0: horror. It's in it's in
1: horror's interest to do that a lot of the times because you don't wanna like I don't want to come away from Friday the thirteenth, part five, feeling the weight of every death I just witnessed. Yeah. Like I don't want to do don't that. Don't
0: dwell on all those the same way. Right. You but don't feel the impact of each individual decapitation or whatever.
1: right. But this movie wanted you to feel the heaviness of death and what death does to people and what that loss and grief will do to people. And I think that was really smart. Um, and I think it's a smart and pretty clever inversion of a lot of horror. So,
2: you yeah.
0: know, it's very good. Check it out. Um, night house, not in theaters anymore at this point, but
1: maybe, maybe, it is still here at the, at the moment that we're recording.
0: Oh well, good. I saw
1: it on Friday. I saw it all on Friday. Right. All right, it's actually yeah. the most recent of the movies that we're talking about that I've seen. That's surprising, but yeah. But I saw Malignant the same week. I saw Malignant the, like two yeah. days, like a few days beforehand. So,
0: all right. So let's get into Malignant. <laughs> Let me grab one more beer.
1: I need a drink for this. I need to like go for it. Yeah, go for it.
0: All right. So. We've been building up to this. We've been hinting at it. It's time to go full malignant. <laughs> um, so, we were already hyped up about this movie. We've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before watching the trailer, being like, "All right, another James Wan horror movie." Um,
1: this one was absolutely insane. <laughs> this is Okay, in the ranking of insane James Wan movies, this has got to be at the top. Like, like this. Abs- this is actually
0: crazier than um,
1: Aquaman. What, this is ben crazier ben. than Aquaman. Well, it's
0: is definitely crazier than Aquaman. Wait, this Aquaman is, is pretty crazy.
1: I just Aquaman what, has I dinosaurs. Thinking...
0: <laughs> I was thinking like dead silence is like the craziest.
1: Yeah. But dead silence is like dead silence is like on a different, like even like dead silence is like on a different tier than these other ones. Like dead silence is definitely one of his lesser movies. This is like, Mm. this is not one of his lesser movies. I just want to be clear. This is like, I got (laughs) it. I got a feeling about a third
0: of the way through this movie that this is basically the horror movie equivalent of a diss track. Like this is James Wan. Like, I was like, I was like, this is like listening to the weekend's reminder or something. Like, this is like him coming in and being like, guess what? You thought James Wan was done with horror. You don't know shit. <laughs> like, like, I know I know everyone thinks Lee Wanell is the new, like, the real brains of the Saw franchise these days, but just a reminder that I've got some real shit too.
2: Yeah, this, de- uh,
1: this definitely did feel a little bit like the the equivalent of like rapper beef. Like, but like, <laughs> not like really, because I don't think there's like beef between James Wan and Lee Wanell. Oh, no. But like, um, they
0: absolutely um, seem like that they're, you know, they're and, fully supportive and, of each other's and, I mean, careers. I
1: haven't checked, but if I had to guess, I think Lee Wanell probably fucking loved Malignant. Like, I think that he would enjoy the hell out of this movie. Um, That's
0: like, literally, uh, I'm going to like, when we're done with this, I'm going to try to find out what he thinks of it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, like they, they both love each other's careers. They're both like super supportive of each other, which is nice. But, you know, James Wan was clearly the guy who, you know, sort of moved on from horror and was making, you know, even as like he keeps producing like the Conjuring movies and stuff like that, what he, his directorial career has been more, like Hollywood making these big blockbuster movies like Aquaman, but he came back
1: <laughs> to this thing
0: with a vengeance.
1: Okay, I um, think it should be clear. It should be clear. It should be clear. This movie also has a lot of his supernatural pedigree in it. Like it, like oh yeah, like like even like Gabriel as a character borrows from like superhero moves in in you know like. <laughs> There are moments where, like, he is acting like a superhero, but he's a bad guy. So, um, I mean, yeah. it's just very interesting in that regard. I think there's a lot of, like, that in this movie. So, I do think that's important.
0: Yeah. Um. Apparently, he worked on this with his wife. That's very interesting <laughs> like, to think she about. She helped him. him develop the story for this. Like, she had this idea, and he was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big name director. I can make this into a movie. <laughs> and well mood. He did. Um it's so it's so crazy. Um I like so this is this is a hard movie to talk about without heavily spoiling everything. Yeah, I, th- that th- I think we should
1: be upfront that there are gonna be spoilers in this this yeah. conversation so, and if you haven't seen the movie you should not listen to this like let's
0: try to talk as loosely as we can just to give an introduction to this movie and then m- the majority of this review will be heavy spoilers mm-hmm. um so just the start of this movie kicks off with a vengeance yeah um there's like it's like a like a stormy night at the mental sanitarium <laughs> which is just a fantastic way to start any horror movie because
1: it's so typical it's so like it's so like what you think a horror movie is gonna open with right like like the stormy night at the mental asylum like okay yeah okay
0: this the movie very quickly tells you like this is going to be like high camp type horror yep um and there's there's some sort of uh violent patient that we don't get to see much of at at this asylum and like everybody's rushing to restrain this patient and like like somebody a guard gets like violently eviscerated or something and that there's a scene where the, the the uh the the doctor the female doctor is like uh We have to cut the cancer out. It's It's so
1: dramatic. She's like British, (laughs) right? Or she Australian. I'm not actually sure. Um, I can't remember now that I think about it. But she's like, we have to cut the cancer out. I'm like,
0: all (laughs) right.
1: Um.
0: (laughs) Like straight to the camera, like with the fucking like scalpel and everything. It's like, oh man, we're going. And then it like goes straight into the credit sequence. It's like, oh man. Yeah. like that this is this is a hell of a prologue here and the credit sequence is also like absolutely nuts yeah. so i saw a lot of people trying to relate this film to different eras of horror like people were saying it was like a 90s throwback or 2000s throwback it really feels like Almost every decade of horror film from like the '70s on so has I th- some level of influence here. Yeah,
1: I think that's actually one of the things that makes the movie so great to me. Is that like I think that it's it's taking all of these different influences and collating them into one movie. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it it's undeniable. Like, I mean, the biggest influence or one of the biggest influences, Jallo films, obviously play a huge. Role in the influence yeah. of this film. That's undeniable. So, like, the I'd say visuals
0: and the lighting and yeah, stuff I th- like that. I think
1: that's probably one of the main elements here, like at play. Like, it's just like James Wan having a love of Jalo film. um Like, even like the visuals and stuff, and like even just like the storytelling. Like, it's like about a woman who like witnesses a murder basically and is now thrust into this world of like. People are dying and it's foggy and it's weirdly lit. And like that's like what Jallo film is. Like, mm-hmm. like, um, <laughs> so like, you know, like that's that's sort of like like just like from that element, it's very Jallo. Uh it's a giallo. Uh, um
0: Margarita.
1: Uh, oh, oh. I'm a sorry. Um, <laughs> you know. um, but like I think that like it's also it's just like I mean, when I first saw the trailer, I distinctly remember texting a friend of the pod, um, Georgia. Um, I was like, "Oh, this is like exactly like like the fifth sequel that you saw to a horror movie that came out in like 1993," because it was like, like, like the idea of like the vic, like the main character is like seeing through the eyes of the killer is like. That's just, like, classic, like, fifth, sixth entry in a horror movie that came out in, like, the 90s and early 2000s. Like, that's the sort of shit you saw.
0: Even Jaws did that at one point. It's like the the killer (laughs) and the victims are tied together.
1: Right, yes. Um, So it's like, it is, like, it is like really heavily playing off of, like, these, like, tropes and, like, silly concepts that came out in, like, the 90s and 2000s, right? Um, And then, like, the, the whole slasher thing is coming from, like, the eighties, basically. I mean the seventies, very eighties. They've got
0: eighties style music and stuff and a lot of like heavy synth stuff. And the
1: visuals are like, like all of the fog, like, I mean the fog, in fact, and like the like Gothic structure of all of the buildings for some reason are like almost like the most like black and white horror era. Like, it's like, we're going back to like, we're seeing like these like, it's like an aside like we. There's a scene where one of the characters turns a corner and there's a fucking asylum on a cliffside in the fog, overlooking a stormy sea. <laughs> that scene was nuts. It's She's like driving storm- on this two shit,
0: like like <laughs> <laughs> driving on the corner and like this monolithic structure is out there. She's driving to the abandoned asylum. She's like, oh, like, oh my god, like, right? Yeah, it is. It is like downright gothic at moments. Yeah, how like like spooky some of these like buildings and interiors are. Um yeah, but anyway, this this credit sequence is crazy. Like they're they're showing a lot of like you know like surgical tools and stuff and like medical records and stuff. All of this stuff is tying into like the stuff in the mental asylum we've already seen. Um, and there's this song playing during it <laughs> that at the time, I swear, was like a, a, uh, a remix of Hello Zep. But apparently this is a song that uh, this is a pre-existing song it was not made for the movie. Um, it's by an artist called um, Cell Dweller. When your walls fall. Which, I mean, even the the title right there is very thematically tied I still love the name Cell Dweller. Cell Dweller, yeah. Cell Dweller, that's how I (laughs) identify. (laughs) I am a Cell Dweller. We have to listen to more of this stuff. Um, It's like the the song from the Saw 4 soundtrack. It it sounds like it literally... So, like, this song, not just, like, the, the little part that went kind of like da 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 and like made me think oh this is hell is up but like in general it just sounded like the sort of song that would have played during the closing credits of a saw movie during like the prime era where they played like heavy metal and heavy electronic music during the credits um but this is during the opening credits and it's like super intense and over the top. And they're showing this crazy imagery during it. And it's like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, we're getting amped up for this shit. Yeah. Really set the mood in a great way.
1: I agree. Yeah, I thought, I thought the credits were like super hype. I mean, so much of this movie was just so hype. <laughs> it was <laughs> like the energy was like off the rails here. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about the scene where the one dude gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> he's across from like the red lit wording on that like that it's like what is it? Like a theater or a, a hospital or a plant. I don't even know. It's like they're like the sign is like bright red and so he's killed under like the bright red lighting. Um <laughs> I just love that scene. I love that scene so much. I've thought about it like seventy times and I saw this movie like less than a week ago. Um <laughs> Um So that's what I'm thinking about right now. I'm not thinking about the credits, which I do love, but I'm thinking about this other scene. Um, So
0: after the credits, we are are thrust forward 27 years later into the present because the, the prologue took place in 1993. Now we're in 2020. Um, Madison Lake um, is living in Seattle with her, abusive husband
1: yeah we learned that very quickly it's very yeah
0: very quickly we see them arguing him being just like a total piece of shit he like smashes her up against the wall during an argument and is like oh i'm so sorry oh i didn't i didn't mean to do that you know sometimes i just see red you know um so that like they're like we're we're getting thrust into the lives of these people here whatever but you know he has to sleep on the couch Cause you know, cause of this incident and she's sleeping up in the bed and she's, she's bleeding from the head because of like being smashed in the wall at the time. Um, right. And during the night, some sort of undefinable being <laughs> attacks the husband while he's sleeping on the couch.
1: Well, that's just what it's like. Sometimes you are attacked <laughs> by an undefinable being. <laughs>
0: And, like, the the scenes leading up, like, all the the ways that this creature is portrayed are, like, very interesting. I like that when, like, you can see the the imprint on the couch go away as, like, this invisible creature supposedly rises off the couch. And, like, the creature suddenly popping up behind him while he's looking around a corner and, like, breaks his neck at this insane, unbelievable angle. Yeah, and then, it's like,
1: honestly, very upsetting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucked up. And then this thing goes up and attacks Madison, just kind of like slams her into the wall again. Getting slammed to the wall a lot these days. Um, but then she, you know, wakes up the next day. And so this is written off as like a home invasion, whatever. But over the next few days um madison starts experiencing some strange things yeah where she's uh she's witnessing some some strange occurrences where in this this creature that we've seen before this creature pops up. <laughs> yeah this strange creature pops up and is you know killing people and Slowly, we begin to realize like these are the doctors that we've seen in the in the prologue, the you know all the doctors
1: involved with this this patient. Right. Um, Very important. I mean, yeah, it's it's obviously whatever the creature is, it's going after them, right? Yeah. So like, and and, like she somehow
0: like has these visions. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be like like dream visions or something else but she's like she's there at the scene of the crime but she can't do anything about it she can just watch it's like well it'll be like she's she's in her house and all of a sudden she sees something out of place right like a person's face or like a like a a um a piece of somebody else's house suddenly in her house and then all of a sudden the world changes around her and she's in a different house and she's witnessing these things
1: happening right yeah it's like the world sort of like melts around her it's obvious it's honestly a very cool visual effect um everything just sort of like melts into this other world um yeah And we just get to, like, we get treated to this, like, visual of uh, Annabelle Wallace looking, like, absolutely horrified and just, like, (laughs) wide-eyed, staring. Um,
2: Yeah.
1: You know, to be clear, this is Annabelle Wallace who starred in Annabelle. We should all
2: know that. Oh, no! Yeah,
1: it's the the same actress from the first Annabelle movie. Um, She is Annabelle. She is Annabelle. (laughs) Annabelle is Annabelle. She's also... So, Maddie is Annabelle. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think those, I mean, there's a lot of really cool visuals in this movie. I think those are some of the coolest moments. She's just like, she'll be like brushing her teeth. And then like the world just like melts around her and she's suddenly in this like horrific murder sequence. Um,
0: I really like the way the visual effects were used in this movie. They were used like just when they needed to be. And like uh, that, like melding of realities together is something you can, you know, obviously you can only really do that well with CGI. Right. And they did it just right. So that it like, it looks cool without being like gimmicky or silly. Um,
1: I I really like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it looked bad. I, I really like there was a risk that it could have, but it did not mm -hmm. at all.
0: Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) and Maddie is, talking with the police because like all these murders are taking place like and she is seeing them happen and they're they're not sure what to make of it they're like oh you know they're not quite suspecting her but they're also like well what's what's going on here you know
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I think that like so okay another interesting element of this movie is like the police officers and the detectives Who I think are basically useless. Um, (laughs) They're not great. And and I think James Wan has a certain... I think James Wan does not like police. I think that might be a thing that we just need to accept. Um, And by a thing we need to accept, I mean a thing that I applaud him for, um, obviously. (laughs) The Um, cops
0: are usually pretty incompetent in his
1: movies. They're regularly incompetent. Um, There's a scene in this movie that reminded me so much of Saw, and it's the scene where our main detective, uh, Kakoa Shaw, just like chases down Gabriel, just like doesn't call for backup doesn't do anything just just like i'm gonna fucking chase this uh, <laughs> There's multiple
0: times where he should have called for backup including when he went down into the underground section of seattle
1: yeah he goes <laughs> down into this like underground like first of all let's also talk about the fact that part of this is taking place in like the seattle underground and it's just like okay okay that's like a very creepy locale like that's, i like, thought that was <laughs> that was a great inclusion
0: yes um Yes. You see at one point this killer like kidnaps some like a tour guide from the Seattle Underground when she's like, like just she just finished giving a tour. She's closing up for the night in this like creepy underground old timey section of Seattle. Um like I-, I was vaguely familiar with this before the film, but they like they kind of explained it in the movie. It's like you know, they built After that, like this big fire, they built like the new streets of Seattle on top of the old city blocks. So there's like just these miles and miles of old city preserved underground, Mm -hmm. which is like that's a crazy place to set a horror movie. And like that, like that's ripe for inclusion. It's like when they made that movie set in the the Paris catacombs it's like well about, of course as above <laughs> so below <laughs> yes as above so below so, well obviously you gotta put a horror movie here so it's great that they included that yeah that I'm was...
1: still waiting for a movie that is like purely about the Seattle underground but yeah I think that that I do love that they included it. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah um I mean it's just like <laughs> it's like a very creepy place. I love when Kakoa Shaw goes also his name is Kakoa Shaw. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. No. Oh God. Is he is he a relative? I think maybe there's an expanded universe. Um but like
0: Detective Kakoa Shaw.
1: I love that like he like chases like Gabriel down through the Seattle Underground. We get to watch all of this happen. The Seattle Underground is very creepy. The Seattle Underground honestly reminds me of like Bioshock. And also yes. like. Oh my god. Like the the like arkham city games where like there's like that idea of like there's the old gotham underneath the main gotham like yeah like like it reminds me of all of this and um so anyway moving forward um i mean gotham is in part inspired by like every city that has ever existed so it makes sense that gotham has that anyway Mm -hmm. um like he like chases him down here and then he's like in a big room full of a bunch of like old carriages and he's just like i can (laughs) fight gabriel in here and i'm like no you fucking can't like (laughs) i love the fight in
0: like the fucking carriage museum there it's it's like like,
1: crazy (laughs) it's like exactly like when um the the detectives go and chase Jigsaw and Saw One, and they're just like in his lair, and they're like, "We can fight him here." And I'm like, "You can't do this." It's like he set up trap. He knows what's going on. Like, here. what are you doing? You're in his realm. You're just gonna fight him on your own. God, like
0: he led you down to this underground secret part of Seattle. Do you really think you're gonna win here? Like he he <laughs> he knows what's going on. You don't. They're you came down a so storm ridiculous.
1: Drain. It's like such a ridiculous thing that he does there, but it's so typical of what like James Wan's movies typically portray cops to be right. Like they're like bumbling and like they're overconfident and they're yeah. incompetent. And like, that's just like who cops are in his like worldview movies. Um,
0: that, yeah, that's very much part of his universe. Yeah.
1: And I mean, that's, like, a horror thing in general. I don't think there are many horror movies that are, like, oh, look, the cops saved the day. Um, Most of them are, like, oh, the cops tried, and then they died. Um, But, you know, in this one, like, it does feel like James Wan has a specific disregard or, like, contempt for their level of competence. Um,
0: (laughs) You know, we've we've got this crazy Seattle underground stuff. There's the... The Seattle Underground guide gets like kidnapped and um, yeah. like tied up in an undisclosed location that appears to be part of the Seattle Underground. Like she's just like tied up to this beam while the killer
1: is like skulking around in this little hideout he has and he's like i'm a member of organization 13 from the kingdom hearts video games jacket <laughs>
2: <God>. um, <laughs> uh. um,
1: the killer by the way is really
0: weird looking he's got like this long black hair kind of like over his face he's got like a really freaky kind of demonic looking face I'm Yeah, his like, face
1: looks really bloody it's like always like red and like weird um
0: very like almost inhuman yeah. and um he kind of he just walks really funny I don't even know how to describe this exactly he walks like he's kind of like moving backwards or something it's like it, in a way it reminded me at times of the experience of watching Tenet <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: that's fair it's like he's like moving backwards but also not like he's moving forwards as he moves backwards it's really strange i don't know how to describe that but it was freaky like this is this is a freaky murderer here but you don't get to see a lot of them i do like the part where (laughs) um where um maddie gives like the the police sketch like he oh she, like, yeah. describes it really for the good. sketch of, and they they draw they draw the picture of it, it look it looks exactly like him but like oh so we're looking for this guy it's like this really fucked up looking guy it's like they're looking for this guy from the goonies yes
1: they she literally like, oh we're looking for the guy she literally references the goonies um <laughs> one of the detectives the, uh yeah. yeah yeah that's really cops- good
0: the cops were funny, but like Kakoa Shaw and Regina Moss, yeah. the two detectives, really played well off each other.
1: Right. One of them was like the serious cop and one of them was like the funny cop. Um, yeah. There's
0: like the very earnest, like male cop who's like, I'm going to tackle this head on. And like the sassy black woman cop is yes. just like, I'm not dealing with any of this shit.
1: Right. <laughs> Um, Yeah, they were they were a really fun pair Um, and neither was particularly competent. Um, (laughs) Not by I mean, you know, she didn't really do anything explicitly incompetent. She just didn't do anything. Um, (laughs) No, she
0: was just like, well, well, she she just kept like discounting any of the stranger elements of this case. It's like, well, we just we've got this serial killer here and all this mumbo jumbo about Maddie seeing the killer and stuff. Like she's just inserting herself into the story or whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and like, and Kakoa Shaw, like sort of believed her a little bit more, but had like no idea what was actually going on. Right. Um, Let's see, is there anything else we can describe before we really crack this one open, so to speak?
1: Yeah, even, like, getting into some of the, like, fake spoilers. Um, I don't <laughs> want to, like, like, spoilers that come through, like, halfway through. I don't even really want to get into until we, like, really get into it. Um, I think we can say that the use of lighting in this movie was awesome. Can we talk about the oh, use yeah. of lighting and, like, the, the visuals and set design, like, that sort of thing? Like we don't have to spoil anything to say that it was just like it was very atmospheric. It was very over the top. Um, like like the red lighting was great. That's like one of the things that people point to as like how this was obviously influenced by Jalo film. Um, mm-hmm. and like that makes sense. Um, so Giallo means like yellow. So it's like very funny that Jalo. Giallo... Anyway, um, like <laughs> like I, yeah, I think that um. I, I loved the visuals here i loved how like ridiculous and over the top they all were i loved how like the score was also over the top like it was like like there's um okay this is sort of so like slight the music and this is crazy light warning for spoilers here um there's a part where annabelle wallace maddie is like i was adopted and the score just like blasts in and i'm like this is so fucking dramatic she was just (laughs) adopted like (laughs) um like it's like not that serious um but it's like so over the top and it is so funny i was like like that was like one of those scenes where like it happened and i was like there are people who are reviewing this movie thinking we're supposed to not laugh like that's fucking (laughs) hilarious this girl just like her eyes got like as wide as eyes get. And she said, I was adopted. And the score picked up like that's hilarious. That is objectively funny. I
0: (laughs) I really do think that a big part of how much you'll enjoy this movie is about like how serious you're able to take it. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, the opening scene just totally set the stage. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, we're just going crazy, I was like, silly, we're supposed campy to have fun. stuff. We're gonna have
1: fun with this movie. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be like an enjoyable time. You're gonna laugh some. You're gonna like cringe some because it's gonna be brutal, but like, it's gonna be fun." And like, yeah, I agree with you. I think the the opening really set the stage for me as well. But I think some people clearly did not get that because I don't think the trailers necessarily told you you were gonna like.
0: Right. That's the thing. The trailers made it seem like very straightforward horror. Yeah. Like you're going to be scared by this. Like it's going to be some creepy supernatural killer. And like we talked about this earlier. We're like, well, this seems like it's like a slasher movie with some
1: supernatural elements. Right. Uh, We could not have been more wrong. <laughs> I mean, it sort of is a slasher movie with some supernatural elements, but it's way more than that. Um, <laughs> um so, like, <laughs> but I, I, like, really love the score and that, like, one moment, like, really solidified it. Like, I, I have oh, thought yeah. about that a lot where she, God, I can't get over her Just like I was adopted. It's, like, this big dramatic reveal and it's, like... I love how the reveal is you announcing to somebody else that you are adopted. It's not even like <laughs> right. you finding out you were adopted. Like that is actually a dramatic experience. No, I, I did like, think I, that was from a personal situation. I can say that is a dramatic moment when somebody's like, Well, yeah. I'm not actually your parent. That's that's intense. But like being like, oh no. I was adopted. It's not like, that's not a, like
0: (laughs) I did. I I found that a very interesting moment in the movie because yeah, in most movies that would be just a revelation, revelation, like her finding out she was adopted and that being like a big plot point. But instead it's her telling her sister, I'm adopted. I'm not your blood relative, which is interesting because like, First of all, it provides a motivation for her, like her big thing up till now is like she's really trying to have a child, and she's had several miscarriages, she's very upset about it, including she miscarries after that incident with her husband when he slams her against the wall, and she's very upset about it, and she tells her sister like, this is why, it's like I've been trying to have someone who's like a blood relative of me all this time because I felt like completely alone because I was adopted.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so like it, it provides that motivation, but also um, it, it sets up some things.
2: <laughs> right. On <down> the line <laughs> yes. that we
0: can talk about. Yeah. 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 I, it's just, but and, and it's, things. and it sets up an interesting like dynamic in that scene as well. Well, like she's telling her sister something she's known for ages and she's just like, yeah, I'm adopted, but this to the sister, it's a huge thing, like a complete revelation. Um, but it also like informs some of the scenes that we're
1: about to see, right? It's also just like so funny That's- to me that like that conversation had never come up before. Like it's like, oh, you'd never. You just never had this talk before. They seem like close sisters, right? Like, Well, it
0: kind of makes sense because, like, uh, as you get more into it, you realize, like, she has a very dark past. Yes, she and does. And yeah. it, it's clear that the parents tried to cover up as much of this as they could.
1: Right. And you find out that, like, the, like Maddie was, like, a, a child of an age where she would remember her life before yeah. the other sister was ever even born. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I do think that matters. So it's yeah.
0: a completely different experience for her. Yeah, having been adopted, like she's very aware of that fact. Right.
1: It's just so random that she's like, "I was adopted," and it's like, "Wow, this like shocking." Like I don't. Um. But yeah, so I just thought like the whole. I don't know. I loved like the production here. I loved how over the top it was. I loved how ridiculous it was. And I think that's something we'd talk about without spoilers. So that's why I mm-hmm. want to mention that. Um, like the whole, the the set designs are ridiculous. The music is ridiculous. Even honestly, the acting is over the top half the time. It's just like,
0: it's so over the top. It's like people just being like as
1: dramatic as possible. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and like, I've hated when I've seen reviews were like, Oh, the acting is kind of iffy. I'm like, no, it's not. The acting is not (laughs) iffy. You are missing the point of the acting. The acting is intentionally ridiculous in this movie.
0: Everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But what they're supposed to do is over the top and insane. This is a crazy movie. Sometimes that requires crazy acting, crazy musical choices and stuff. This is the kind of movie where
1: the main character at one point looks into the camera and screams bloody murder. She was like... (laughs) looks directly at the camera because somebody has just fallen through her ceiling and she just screams
2: <laughs> like and we're just
1: like okay you think i was supposed to take the performances in this seriously like like
0: <laughs> that that was a very big turning point yeah that's movie. like a huge that's um, like like Jeff the moment where
1: things like turn from like oh this is a you know this is a horror movie it's a slasher he might be supernatural and then it's that moment it's like wait <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so one more thing I wanted to touch on in the music, and then I think we're probably ready to delve in the spoilers. Yeah um that that version of Where is my mind that plays.
1: Oh yes. Uh, okay.
0: This was like this was almost like a Zack Snyder kind of
1: moment here. Yeah, I thought <laughs> about Zack like Snyder.
0: An over-the-top heavy needle drop, but I feel like it worked in a way it was like, this was, this was not the original version. This was like a, like a cover. Um, and actually did, did sucker punch include a cover of where's my mind? I feel like I'm,
1: it's been so long since I've seen it. I actually can't say I can't, I might be
0: retroactively rewriting my memory of this, but I feel like it does anyway. It's good. I like the inclusion and it thematically makes sense. Right. Uh, it's just like, it's so like that, that, that riff and everything is so iconic that when you see it show up in a movie, it's like, Oh my God.
1: What <laughs> the fuck is yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, a lot of
0: people are making fun of it, but I say that it, it shows that the movie is aware of exactly what it is. It's like, this is over the top. This is craziness. This is just,
1: everything's amped up to 11. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think you are 100% right about that. I mean, yeah, there's just like nothing in this movie you should take super seriously. You just should not do that. And if you do, you come to see the wrong movie. I'm sorry.
2: No,
0: no. This movie's here to have fun. Right. And we're about to tell you exactly why that is. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this movie, you want to tune in now because we're going to give you spoilers soon. Because
1: the spoilers so. are, are heavy and they are ridiculous and you really don't want to spoil it for yourself.
0: The spoilers will change your perception of this entire movie. So there's spoilers in three, two, one. It's a parasitic
2: twin. <laughs> okay. When, like, <laughs> when
1: they were doing that scene that is like, obviously like, okay, first of all, inspira- inspired by the ring. I gotta say, when, like, they're, like, watching, like, footage of, like, the, like, medical, like, interviews. And I was, like, oh, my God. This is exactly, like, when they're in fucking Seattle in the fucking ring. And, like, the dad oh is God. watching the videos of the daughter where she's, like. It's also in Seattle. Yeah. It's, well, it, I mean, the ring obviously takes place a lot in, like, rural areas, too. But, yeah. like, um, like, it's, like, it's, like, Washington. Like, that's the point of the ring. It's, like, it's the Pacific Northwest. I mean, the original ring. The books are, like, in Tokyo. But, like in the movies yeah. that we're all familiar with, it's um, the, the, the American adaptations are all like Seattle. um, And so like, and, like I kept thinking about the ring and then it's like, Oh, don't worry. We've sedated him. And she's like, but, blah, 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 but he's going to hurt people. And I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? And then fucking when they turned the camera, their fucking arms coming out of her fucking body. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here?
0: Oh my God. So, Okay, so here's my experience of watching this movie. Um, I was pretty sure, like, within, I'd say, like, the first half hour that this was going to be, like, a parasitic twin scenario. Okay,
1: I love that Uh, you immediately thought it was going to be parasitic twin. I love that you jumped even that far. I was like, oh, she just says, like, DID. Like she like, obviously when she goes to sleep, she becomes a different personality. Yeah. yeah. Like, so,
0: so, so there were multiple like red herrings in this movie where they were like, they are trying to think you like, uh, they're trying to make you think like, Oh, either like she's possessed by the devil. Cause she keeps referring to Gabriel as the devil, like Gabriel, according to, um, both like her and her family is like, was an imaginary friend. She has a child. um, but she described him as the devil so like you think like oh maybe she's like possessed by some sort of demon or something and then also there's parts where you're like oh maybe she has multiple personality disorder and that's why she's able to experience these murders as they're happening while like viewing them as a bystander um but for me like the combination of the opening scene with like it's time to cut the cancer out and then um, the title malignant and like some other stuff I was like okay so like uh, what I thought was like at some point in her childhood like she had a parasitic twin they cut the twin out and somehow the twin survived and like turned into a an adult creature okay. on I did own. also
1: think that too I did have that thought too but I, that wouldn't have been parasitic to me but yes I would have thought that was like Siamese twin gone wrong. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, but but like I thought that this creature was surviving on its own.
2: Yes, me too. Uh, So I I was
0: still not still not fully there. But like as you as you progress through the stages of this movie, you 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 discover more and more of what's happening. When when the sister goes to the (laughs) to the abandoned insane asylum which is just such a great setting for a horror movie. Obviously. Course, yeah. But like, as soon as she got there, I was like, Oh, this would make a great like Halloween maze or something, but oh like, Oh my God, really...
1: please give me a malignant maze, please. Fucking. Oh, and like, I want <laughs> like Halloween horror good. nights to do like, they should do one set in the abandoned asylum and then they should do one of the uh, Seattle underground. Like they should do like two different mazes.
0: Halloween. They like, I'm. they could do that. Yeah. They could have like a transition halfway through. Yeah. They would do that. Yeah. I, I could see them doing that. Absolutely. I
1: really I um, fucking love that. Anyway. Continue. I kept
0: expecting something scary to happen at the asylum, but the but asylum was like one of the safest spots. Because in the what, they knew, movie. what they
1: knew was that you're about to be hit with balls to the wall. Crazy. <laughs> like-
0: <laughs> she retrieves the videotapes and I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be good. You know, yeah. she gets the videotapes. I honestly there and had no bearing
1: for how good the videotapes would be. It was like my jaw dropped and like that doesn't happen for me in horror movies a lot like it takes a lot to shock me at this point but i was just like hold on like
0: (laughs) and, and so keep in mind this is also after like the the woman who was kidnapped from the seattle underground like breaks free of her restraints and goes crashing through the floor Only to reveal that she's actually crashing through the ceiling of Maddie's house. Yes. (laughs) That she's been held in the attic that entire time. Right. So, of course, immediately, like, the cops are suspicious of her. They're like, oh, like, have you been doing this this whole time? Like, this is missing woman in your attic. And also, like, we found, like, the leather jacket and everything that the killer was wearing. But I gotta say,
1: Krakoa Shaw... Saw the face of the thing doing it.
0: Right. Like <laughs> that's the craziest part, is like you saw this killer. You know that this is like some sort of freaking weirdo. Yeah. You know this isn't like some regular woman just wearing a disguise.
1: I mean it turns out, but like
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but anyway so like they like this happens and they're like all right like you probably you definitely have something to do with this so they arrest her and put her in the holding cell with a bunch of other miscreants including what i thought was great Uh, like i i was like this has to be her this has to be her as i was watching the movie and sure enough it is zoe bell is in (laughs) is one of the prisoners in this holding cell Zoe Bell, known as the um, the stunt double for Uma Thurman in Kill Bill, yes. who was also one of the stars of Death Proof, yes. and like she was in uh, Hateful Eight, this frequent Tarantino collaborator. Yes,
1: yes, that was uh, her.
0: so yeah, okay. so so great that she was in this. And she's a Kiwi, so I guess. You know the Australian making this movie might have some uh, allegiance there. I don't know, right? But
1: <laughs> yes, I think that might be part of it.
0: Um,
1: I, I just thought that was great that she
0: showed up here anyway. So, <laughs> the the tapes that are retrieved from the mental asylum <laughs> show that like uh maddie as a child like getting like questioned by the the doctors and whatever and they keep saying things that are like very vague they're like oh, it's okay like gabriel has been sedated you we can talk without him hearing now like whatever and she like says like oh she's very afraid of him like whatever it's like he keeps telling me to do things and stuff right and then At some point they're like, okay, now we're gonna wake him up. Like, we're ready for this. And the camera moves. And as soon as the camera starts moving, you're like, this is not gonna be good. Like, this is gonna be really bad. (laughs) And the camera goes all the way around and shows like on the back of like the child Maddie is this like deformed, horrifying like creature that's just like a face and a pair of arms like clawing at the (laughs) it's just like absolutely (sighs) insane (laughs) and horrifying
1: it is so ridiculous and like so the whole time this scene is happening they're like we're gonna wake him up i'm like he's in the room like that seems like a bad choice like yeah i was like this is obviously an insane boy you can't wake him up and then I'm like, oh, my God, he's on her and, body.
0: And let me point out that, again, like I at this point, I was like pretty sure that like, oh, it's a parasitic twin. Just because, you know, I I have done a bit of reading in my time about parasitic twins. I'm a weirdo. I read about medical anomalies and stuff like that. But For I was expecting about
1: parasitic twins sometimes.
0: I was I expecting that. that this was like some strange movie where it was like he was like a clump or a tumor or something like just like some little clump that they cut out. And then he developed into a full creature, like just by some sort of like movie magic. But I was not expecting that it was going to be a full face with arms (laughs) on the back of this girl. And that like, Oh my fucking
1: God. It was insane. I like literally Like I said, my jaw dropped. I was like losing it when that happened. I was like, okay,
0: absolutely. We're really doing
1: this. We're really making this the movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And Maddie had like, Maddie had talked about how like, you know, like after she had left, left the hospital, left the orphanage and been adopted and whatever, like she had this, this memory of like Gabriel, like ruining things for her. Like when, when her new sister was about to be born and like she had this memory of when um Ga- like she woke up in the middle of the night and gabriel was telling her like cut a slice of cake but like at the last minute before she put the knife in she realized like she like her reality shifted around her and she realized she was about to stab her pregnant mother in the right.
2: stomach. <laughs>
1: god that's and, like, so, so clearly
0: upsetting. gabriel did not like the uh, the new baby coming but so like there's like there's this is like this is possibly one of the best examples of cross cutting in a horror movie I've ever seen it's like they're revealing this stuff about her as a child and like like Gabriel and all that stuff as she's like in the holding cell and some of the other prisoners are starting to like rough her up and attack her. They're like, what are you doing here? Soccer mom, whatever. Cause right. like, she's very out of place in this holding. cell. Um, and they're, they, so they're revealing. It's like, well, you know, we did the surgeries. Like we cut away as much as we could, but we couldn't, we couldn't get rid of Gabriel entirely without destroying her brain. So instead we, we pushed him down and, deep inside like her brain would have, like they showed like her them like pushing his face down inside <laughs> her skull and like closing it up Oh, like oh my god this is like a huge metaphor for like repressing childhood trauma or something yes, first yeah. of all but second of all it's like literally just like they pushed this fucking parasitic twin deep down inside and, like closed him in the skull yep uh-huh and <laughs> and it's like but but, like, since then, like, he's been able to come out, like, at times and shit. And it's, like, in real time, you see them cutting back to the fucking, like, holding cell. As, <laughs> like, she just, like, starts losing her shit. Just reaches behind her head. Opens up her fucking skull. <laughs> and the face of the fucking parasitic twin comes out. And it's just like, ah. And then her arms turned backwards. Yep. <laughs> And just she turns into the killer that we've been seeing the entire movie. Yep. Thus far. Just like that's that's her. It's just like, you know, the long hair is just it's the back of her head. Right. With this freaky face staring out of the back of her skull. And like her arms turned around backwards, and then her backwards legs, and that's it. Like that's the killer. She just transforms into that. <laughs> And this is why I say, like, even as someone who, like, sort of figured out the twist early on, I was like, I was not expecting this shit. Right. Like, I still I still thought that, like, oh, yeah, like, the, it's the parasitic twin, but it, like, it grew up into a bigger creature somehow or something. I was not expecting it was... It was actually her. Right. And like once, once it, once you see it, it makes sense. You're like, Oh, like, yeah, that we've just been seeing her backwards the whole time. Right. With this face out of the back of her head. And you know, it makes sense. Like that, her husband cracked her head against the wall. Must have like splintered her skull. Let Gabriel come out the back. And then that's when all this shit started. And they like, you know, they explain that later um it also explains why, time, like, why
1: like gabriel moves weirdly like um yeah it explains why like you know it, it just explains so much and then you get to be, be treated to this entire sequence of like gabriel fighting off all of these attackers while oh like maddie's like asleep face is on the other side of his head like
2: it's, that's like, this the craziest fucking part.
1: insane <laughs> sequence um He's, like, using this, like, old trophy, like, cutting people's throats. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't know what oh, yeah. the fuck is happening.
0: Oh, yeah, I thought that was awesome, too. Like, okay, so first of all, the the surgeon or doctor or whatever who, like, first tried to cut out Gabriel, cut out the cancer or whatever, has trophies in her office for, like, best surgery and stuff like that, yeah. which... I don't know if that's real or not. Like, maybe they do give out trophies for that, but it's either way, it's absurd. It does seem suspect. Trophies.
1: It seems suspect.
0: It's like best surgeon. and <laughs> It's like this, this like sword type thing. Um, So when he kills her, he takes that trophy and like breaks off the sword part and like sharpens it so that it can be a real sword and then he does the rest of the murders with that thing which i think is really cool and that that is one of the big parts that feels like a jollo like it's like the killer having a very recognizable emblematic murder weapon right um and that's part of the stuff that um makes the cops suspicious of maddie later on because they find that in her attic right um because I mean, as it turns out, it was just her the whole time. But her alternate personality, her, you know, when it was Gabriel, he was hiding up in the attic and hiding all the shit up there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like, it's like that, that one moment that just like brings everything together. And you're just like, oh, oh, that's what this is about. It's like, my God, it's crazy. <laughs>
1: I mean, it is though. It's completely, it's all just like, I mean, this movie just becomes like steadily crazier the whole time. I mean, and like Gabriel is like this parasitic twin. And somehow, I mean, he can control her mind, which is like a whole thing, but then also somehow he controls electricity. And like, that's (laughs) another like crazy element of this movie where it's like, he just like, it's like, I can make electricity go haywire for some reason. Well, that,
0: that's something we're shown in the prologue is that like he he has some sort of electromagnetic powers and like he's able to use that to like the only way he's able to speak is by like talking through like a radio or something. You can hear his voice coming out of the radio and that's, you know, because of his ability to manipulate electricity to some extent um i don't know how the fuck that works no because it's like every everything else in this movie is sort of tried to be explained away as like this is actual biology like it's it's just a parasitic twin it's not like supernatural or anything but then the ability to um to have those electromagnetic powers is not usual at all no (laughs) and uh So I don't know what that's about, but it, it definitely adds a fun element to it when he's talking through the radio and stuff and his voice is creepy as fuck. Yes. Yes. It is. Like, oh, it's so scary coming out of the radio and everything. Oh yeah. (laughs) Don't like that.
1: Yeah. Gabriel definitely, definitely has a spooky voice. I I would not want to hear that.
0: Gabriel is creepy as fuck. Yeah. Like. Just and he gets creepier the more the movie goes on. I I really just like the way that everything comes together in that moment. Like you figure out like oh is the parasitic twin, and then you're like oh the the twin has the ability to like uh affect Maddie's reality, like tell her she's seeing something when actually she's asleep and like Gabriel's in control, right? And like all that comes together. Like they build all that up right into the moment where he comes out in that holding cell. And then like, she goes away. She thinks she's just sitting there in the holding cell, but Gabriel's awake and Gabriel is just slaughtering everyone.
1: Just like completely decimating the entire crowd. It's like crazy. And it's like, I mean, it's scary to think about if you were her, luckily I don't think that's (laughs) like a reality that anybody will ever have to experience. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's very frightening uh, if you did have to experience that. Um, But it's just like so well done. It's like shocking, even if you've called some of the the twists. It's like, I mean, I just can't imagine watching this movie and and without having heard explicit spoilers and not being like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) it's just like... That's what I loved about it so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love... Like, because... Like I said, like I was actually able to figure out like a decent chunk of it, but still when like everything actually came home to roost, I was still like, oh my
1: God, I know
0: (laughs) this wasn't just like, oh yeah, yeah. I saw this coming. Like, no, no, no. I I had part of it put together. I did no idea how crazy this was going to get.
1: No, no. (laughs) I mean, how could you? (laughs)
0: No. It. It was absolutely nuts. So, yeah, there's that that piece where he just completely dismantles everyone in that holding cell. Like, breaking necks and, like, snapping limbs and stuff. Just very effectively. Stabbing
1: people through all sorts of parts of their bodies. Uh, Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's happening. (laughs) And then there's the scene, like, you know, Gabriel kills a guard and gets the keys to break out of the holding cell and then gets out into the main police station and then this scene here is just one of the most insane things i've ever seen set to film
1: yeah uh, yep.
0: <laughs> gabriel just absolutely decimates the entire police force in like just the most insane way and what what's so great about this scene is that You're seeing Gabriel mostly the same as you did previously in the movie. It's like this sort of like hulking, hairy, creepy face mask. But you can also see (laughs) Maddie's face asleep on the back of his head because now they're free to reveal that. Right. And it's just like it it makes it so much more fucked up and disturbing. It's like she's just like she's doing all this. but She's not aware of it. She's asleep the entire time. Right her face is just like
1: completely like oh my god it's so weird it's so weird to watch this like weird thing just like slash around and kill everything i mean gabriel is like doing he's fucking shit up like he is murdering an entire police department and he does all but two of them um they all die um he really takes them out well all but two three ten. three of them because you have the girl who is the one girl from jigsaw um i mean she's not but she's <laughs> she, the same character she, she's basically i was yeah. thinking about um, that i was
0: like this is basically just like that girl who was a big jigsaw fan in
1: jigsaw yeah um she's like she somehow survives which i thought was crazy um but like the three of them survive but like gabriel literally kills like most of an entire police force just by like jumping around and stabbing people and it's like it's a super i mean this is like one of the when i said that like this movie was like he couldn't have made this movie before his superhero detour like this was the scene i was thinking about like gabriel is acting like a superhero except for he's like fucking obviously not doing good things he's acting like a super villain i guess yeah
0: he's a villain yeah Yeah.
1: he's but like like his movements and everything are like like they're the choreography is very superhero movie like he's like leaping around he's spinning he's like slashing things he's just sort of like you know the way he's moving acts like he's like some choreographed fighter like in a in a in a superhero movie um and so it's just like really interesting and fun um to see that happen and he's doing it but it's like obviously he's doing it for all of the wrong reasons. I guess you could compare it to Brightburn yeah. in that way, but like, I think this, movie, yeah, yeah. You know, I, th- I think he does like a that. little bit better than Brightburn did, um, in that regard, but like, just like choreography, although I really like Brightburn. So I'm not, no, no shade to Brightburn. I
0: enjoy that movie. Yeah. But, uh, no, it it is kind of like that. Like you're simultaneously like impressed and be like, Oh my God. And then being like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> he's just killing a lot of people really quickly. um, I also compared it to like the boys. Like I, oh, and that yeah. that's also kind of similar to Brightburn in like it's like what if superheroes were bad? <laughs> right. Like you you see like how quickly effective they can be in just like killing a whole shitload of people without without it even seeming like anything. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is effortless. Right. That's yeah, that's the kind of feel I got watching this scene here it's absolutely amazing and like this is this is james wan at the the height of his directorial talents right this scene like you can see like you can only imagine all the technical stuff that went into putting this scene together and it's it's so well paced too and everything you can see like it's not just like mindlessly killing a bunch of people. It's like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different kinds of kills and there's like times where like the, the cops try to rush him and get beat back really quickly and stuff. There's like, it has a really nice flow to it overall. And then it ends in such a funny way too. It like, there are two named detectives trying to escape and then he throws that chair at them, and gets them <laughs> in one fell swoop just like so crazy. And then like he runs off and our like the, the jigsaw type girl <laughs> comes in and she's like, she's like starting to like dial on her phone. And she's, she's like, why am I calling the cops? <laughs> right. <laughs> Those are the funniest moment. In the whole movie It's like, yeah. What, like, why would you call the cops right now? Like
1: this guy literally just killed all the cops. <laughs> There's nobody to call. <laughs> yeah. The whole scene is insane. And it's like, Obviously, you're you're sort of, like, thinking about Gabriel as this crazy villain, and you're thinking about how the cops are, like, just, like, completely powerless and, and, you know, completely incompetent. They can't do anything to stop him. I don't really know that it's incompetence at this point. Like, who could do anything to stop this thing? <laughs> but, like, the powerlessness the is thing. obvious. Like, it's, like, sort of, like, you know, there's nothing they could do right now. There's no, like even if they were like a more competent police force, it's like, well, what are you going to do here? Like it, like anything you do would be futile.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: Because the, the only option is like, what, like blowing up the whole room while well, you're all still in it. So, um, you know, I just like this, like crazy, mind numbingly intense sequence where Gabriel just like kills everyone. And then just like, I'm just going to fucking toss a chair and then I'm going to jump out a window and then it's going to yeah. be fine. Um, it was an insane and insane thing. And Gabriel's Gabriel goes to what the hospital after that. Like- yeah.
0: So Gabriel, Gabriel runs off to the hospital. His intent is to kill both, you know, his and Maddie's mother who, as we've been introduced to previously is the, um, the guide who was kidnapped from the Seattle Underground. Yes. Um, and she's in the hospital right now because after she crashed through the ceiling of Maddie's apartment of Maddie's house. Um and so like he's going after to try to kill her. He gets intercepted by Maddie's sister, who like he quickly pins under a hospital bed. Which is crazy. Um, yeah. And then he seemingly Shoots her in the head and then kills the mother. But then it's quickly revealed that he was just seeing all that stuff. But in fact, Maddie had regained control and was showing him that shit.
1: Right. Maddie has started Um, co-opting his techniques, um, taking his tactics over and just like using their brain against him. Um,
0: <laughs> that was such a cool moment too. Where it's like all the stuff like he like it seemed like he'd finally achieved all his goals. Like he killed the sister that had, you know, vied for Maddie's love over his and then he killed their mother who he hated because she gave them up to this medical facility. He like achieved everything he wanted to do and he was like victorious and then it all just melts away and he realizes that he's been pushed to the background this entire time. Right. Just like Maddie had been previously. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, you know, like I figured out how to do what you were doing to me and I'm not going to let you take control of me anymore. You know, like I have to live with you, but I'm going to keep you locked up here and safe. And like that, like you're seeing like the two of them like talking face to face for like the first time, which is funny because like we said, like the one character is just the other character
2: backwards. Right. So it's really just
0: two different versions of herself talking um and like she like locks him up in like this metaphorical jail cell in her mind and then like takes full control again. But I especially like the moment where like you know her sister's still pen- pinned under this hospital bed and she's like like how are you going to get this off she's like it was my body the whole time if he can do it i can do it and she lifts the thing off like this huge heavy bed off of her
1: yeah i did love that i loved how she was like if he can do it it's like okay you know i don't know if that's you know <laughs> how that works. I think sometimes it's like a mental thing, but like also in that moment, maybe she could, she had some adrenaline. So,
0: well, yeah, she, she knew she could, you know, manipulate the mental thing at that point. I also
1: don't know that she needed to they were in a hospital she could have just like called yeah. for like two other people to come help them well um, yeah
0: probably not but it's a big like it's a big metaphor yes moment. metaphorically it's, like her, it's a very good moment um, her taking charge of everything that's been and like happening. taking
1: charge of her body specifically yeah like, she's like this is my body
0: regaining agency right after and, all of that so
1: much of the movie has been like and we haven't even touched on this has been like her having miscarriages um I think that like taking control of her body in that way is also like very poignant and you know important. No,
0: I do like the part with it like the sister is like all those miscarriages is because Gabriel was was feeding off their energy. He was like sucking away. Yeah, like that's why they died. It was like how could you know that?
1: Yeah, that <laughs> but was also. Like- yeah, there was no explain. like there was no lead up to her like having that knowledge at all, but it was like, well, yeah, he probably was eating the fetuses. like he was yeah, it's up. like it
0: makes sense. It fits in perfectly. It's like it's it's fine. it it really fits the story well. but also, it's like that makes no sense., yeah.
1: but whatever. I mean, none of this made sense. It did not make sense that Gabriel was a literal thing crawling out of the back of her skull. So
0: it doesn't make any sense that she was able to like split her skull open multiple times. And just be like, Oh, I've got a bit of a headache. You know?
1: I like that her skull opens and Gabriel comes out and then it closes. And she's like, Okay, yeah, fine now. Just close this up and then like that. Yeah, that's how skulls were. But I love the like, it's the like the like moving skull. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll open a little bit, but then we'll close.
0: This down. is <laughs> your your typical like shy skull that just wants to open a little. It's like um, in Saw
1: Three when Jigsaw <laughs> it is like
0: in saw three they like james wan and skulls like he's just very casual about opening them up yeah no but like this is one of those movies where it's like you know you're required to suspend your belief disbelief a certain amount but the amount is counterbalanced by how much incredible stuff you're offered in return right and that's that's what i feel is is the the bargain that is made when you're presenting an absurd concept like this you have to make the payoff as good as the absurd thing that you're asked to believe right and this movie absolutely delivers on that
1: yes it does yes it does i mean it's like everything about this movie. It's like from the beginning, it's like upping the ante the whole way through. And so by the time you get to the reel, it's like, wow, I can't believe you actually lived up to the hype that you built up this far into the movie. Um, yeah, But somehow you did like, <laughs> that's hard
0: to do. I mean, th- this movie from the start was like, this is going to be a crazy ride. And it's like, okay, show me. And they did.
1: <laughs> right. A lot of movies are like, like I'm thinking about like sleepaway camp. It's like a pretty normal slasher, but the end is like known for being like a complete like bonkers ride, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like this movie, like really was like it didn't have that vibe. It was like crazy from the beginning, and it was crazy by the end. Like there was no like it never really let up, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: Um, it it was it was crazy from start to finish. Yeah, and you know. Sometimes that can be hard to pull off. In this case, a hundred percent, what they needed to do.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. Thank God for that. I mean, leave it to James Wan to be like, here's a movie, a slasher that's going to be as like fucking bonkers as I can possibly make it. Um, yeah. That's what I needed to do after making Aquaman. <laughs> um,
0: I I really just I I really love that this is his follow up. To doing Aquaman. I mean,
1: Aquaman is pretty crazy. Aquaman is a nuts movie.
0: For for a superhero movie, Aquaman has a lot of crazy stuff going on. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, we've reviewed it on this podcast and we both enjoyed it. We yeah. had a lot of fun watching it. But there's a very big difference between making a sort of crazy superhero movie and making something like this.
1: Yeah, this is this very is, very different. This is um This
0: is a truly unique piece of cinema.
1: It's That's one way to describe it. I think that like yeah, this is just like a completely off the rails horror experience. I I mean we're just not going to get a horror movie quite like this for quite some time. Like you know, and we haven't already in a while. I can't even remember the last horror movie that I watched and I was like that was this crazy, like,
2: <laughs> yeah. And this
1: whole movie was just like nuts. It was atmospheric. It was ridiculous. It was fun. It was horrifying at moments. Like, it's been a while since there's been a horror movie that made me feel that way.
0: Um, I I was like literally ready to scream out loud in the theater during that big reveal scene. Yes. Like that was that was how crazy this guy. I
1: probably did and- <laughs> shout in like surprise. I was like, what? <laughs>
0: it was so wild i mean that's that's what you hope to see when you're going to the movies to see you know crazy horror films if you're into the sort of shit that we are that's like the ideal reaction right and it's it's harder and harder to get that these days but this oh man this so delivered
1: it really did this delivered so well this was definitely, I mean, the horror season is still young, but I feel like this is probably like the top tier, the horror season that we're going to get this year. Yeah.
0: Um, we're going to see, we have yet to, we, we still have Halloween kills coming. That's a big one. There's on the a radar. new
1: paranormal activity coming. Um,
0: oh yeah. I'm interested. There's a new VHS.
1: Uh, like we have, we have options. Oh yeah. The new VHS. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I, I I do feel like this is like an early contender for best of the season. Um, so and I feel like it's a strong contender. Even if something tops it yeah. somehow, this is going to be in the top few. Um,
0: We'll see. I mean, we'll we'll keep you posted uh, on the status of these horror films because, you know, we're going to be watching all of them.
1: Oh, we sure will. There's no chance I'll skip a horror film.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anything else you want to say about any of tonight's films before we close out?
1: <sighs> Not really. I think we've covered them all pretty well. I think we did a nice little, uh, summary of just like the current state of horror. You know, we did a, yeah. The legacy sequel. We did the, the franchise sequel. We did the, the original horror. That's like really weird and bizarrely good. We did the yeah. the indie art house horror. We somehow covered it all. <laughs>
0: This is yeah. This is we really ran the full gamut of ho- the kind of horror films that you're seeing these days. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. I feel like there's a lot of good stuff out there to see these days, and we're only going to get more of it in the next couple months. I'm excited about that shit. So, until next time, um, we can follow us on. All the major podcasting platforms, we're out there. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, we'll see you at the
1: movies. We will see you at the movies or like at like the nearest video shop where they rent out a bunch of jalo film that you can get. So probably be there instead.
0: i wish we still had more of those places i have one of them that'd be great i have one of them i need a jello rental place i mean it's not exclusively jello but like they have jello